0: welcome to the critical witness podcast where we talk faith apologetics evangelism and anything else we can think of we hope you enjoy the show
1: Welcome to Critical Witness,
0: and this is our 200 subscriber celebration evening where we have these wonderful people with us. Dan, London Theist, also known as Dean, The Heretic, and uh, Andy Kind, who's dressed up for this occasion. Welcome to this wonderful evening that we have um, obviously well planned and rehearsed, and know exactly what's going to happen exactly. There we go. Um, we've got some questions. Uh, we have got a few questions. We've got, um, some, some people kindly anonymously, uh, added in some questions that we can start discussing. But if you are watching live, uh, currently, apparently there's two of you, uh, feel free to ask questions as we go. And, uh, otherwise this is just going to be, um, five guys having a bit of fun and a bit of banter. So, um, before we begin, uh maybe we can spend a couple of minutes because although Andy and London theist, also known as Dean from here on out, have their own stream. This is the first time Craig has joined us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom in on Craig. Craig, tell us a little bit about yourself and um and then we'll go into some questions.
2: Okay. Um well as you know, my name is Craig. That's how you always have to start these things. <laughs> um, I I grew up in a sort of very nominally kind of Christian family. Um, We went to church, you know, we went to church a bit when I was quite young. Um, That just kind of fizzled out, really. I wasn't at all interested in Christianity um, until my teens. And then I became very anti-Christian, a bit of a miserable atheist kind of person. Um, As I got older, I I kind of developed a bit of a drinking problem that then became a serious drinking problem that then became full-blown alcoholism. Um, and I, I lost quite a few years of my life to that really. Hmm. And then I don't know how many years I'd been sort of living in the bottom of a vodka bottle. Um, somebody who I didn't really even know arranged for some people from a, a Christian rehab to come and see me and try and talk to me and sort of talk about, how they've been released from addiction to heroin and things. <clears throat> and I just thought they were idiots to be honest. Hmm. So I, After a while, I sort of turned it over in my head and I thought, well, they're kind of offering to help me. I don't want any of this God nonsense, but, um, you know, maybe they can sort of give me a bit of help and I can get off the drink. Because I knew by then if if I didn't stop, I was going to be dead within a couple of years. Um, I developed epilepsy as well after a a blood clot on my brain, which was fun. So I had brain surgery. um, I had epilepsy. I had quite a few other health problems. I sort of struggled a, a bit with my mental health and things as well. So I went into a Christian rehab with the intention of being there for a sort of a, a couple of weeks to get off the drink and then get out, and as long as they didn't give me any of their God stuff. Hmm. And much to my surprise and everybody else's surprise, after a couple of months I got saved. Um, so I sort of stayed involved with a, a church that they were connected to. Um when was that 2010? <clears throat> and I was there for quite a while. Um after a bit, I suppose I was sort of throwing. 136 apologetics thing as well Mm -hmm. yeah after quite a few years i I sort of got a bit interested in apologetics mostly from uh talking to jehovah's witnesses um which is sort of my my main my main desire really to reach out to them but i went to a, a ravi zacharias ministries open day in in london and i was in the queue and i was talking to some americans in front of me and they were saying look over in America, like the whole apologetics thing, it's, it's just part of Christian culture. You know, they've got radio stations, they've got broadcasts, they've got, you know, every church has got apologetics, ministry and things. And to me, that was that was mad because I had to travel all the way to London from a tiny little town in South, uh, South Wales where I'm living at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. And I just thought, well, why can't why can't we have something like this in Wales then? Why, why have we got to come all the way to London? So I kind of turned it over in my head for a while and, and I thought, well, I'm not sort of I'm not an expert in apologetics. 136 Apologetics isn't me being awesome at Apologetics and having loads of degrees and things. Originally, it was, I want to set up events. Money's gonna change hands. To do it legally, it's either gonna have to be a charity or it's gonna have to be a business. I don't want it to be a business. I don't want people to think I'm, I'm trying to make money from it. So I have set it up as a charity, which was months and months of agonizing, grappling with them and, and things. Hmm. So I set it up as a charity. My main, main interest, remained um witnesses and it still does now but i i kind of organized some events and things i ended up speaking at the first one because my plan was get some speakers in one of the trustees for the charity is a sort of real encourager and he said no you can you can do one you go yes yes i can do one yes so i ended up the first one trying to speak about the um deity of christ before the council of nicaea um and then it just kind of went on from there really i mean i don't want to steal the whole broadcast or anything like that but oh, yes. yeah, one from sex apologetics is, is primarily the, the charity organization um so there you go That's awesome
0: it's great to have you with us i uh, london theist talked for an hour and a half with us or was it two hours did we hit two hours that was two hours I think, it was two yeah. hours yeah andy kind was three wow. <laughs> no it was two i think
1: two hours and ten minutes
0: two hours and ten. so I, uh, I know
1: someone who watched the whole thing you, <laughs> no, well, no, of course, me, but um, but also um, one of our viewers tonight also watched the whole thing of uh of me. So um, oh nice, yeah.
0: so at least at least one. I mean, it was early days for our channel. Obviously, we weren't quite at the heady days of two hundred subscribers. So we'll be gentle. But Craig, you've got some making up to do. Obviously, you've got at least two hours worth of.
2: Right, it's okay, tough. I'm ready. I've got the big coffee, I'm set, I'm good to go. Keep it light, Craig. Keep it light.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, we've, got to, we've got to pick ourselves off that one. It was,
0: it was a yeah, amazing testimony. Um yeah. so yeah, that's good good stuff. And and I think you're the one that's uh, ready to answer the Trinity question, aren't you?
2: Oh wonderful.
0: It <laughs> lined itself up for that one. Yeah. Right, wonderful.
2: <laughs>
0: well that Dan, Dan's ready. As well, he's been prepping for for this tonight. <laughs> <I haven't>... <laughs> <laughs> shall, shall we go for a first question? Yeah, go on. Then. Go on. All right. Um, so this this one's this one could be quite interesting. What are the weakest arguments for the existence of God that you have personally used?
1: Oh, it's, that is interesting, isn't it? Mm. I
0: have to, have to <sighs> think, are we just, think are back. We pile in
2: when we want to go or what was that Craig there was there was an argument that i used that i then later found out wasn't as strong as i thought it was and it wasn't specifically about the existence of god it was for um the trustworthiness of christianity right which slightly different i um i used to be i used to be very fond of the the kind of argument that christianity must be jesus really must have been resurrected because pretty much all of the disciples were willing to to die rather than recount on their beliefs. Hmm. Um, and I used that for a while and then I found out that we we don't necessarily know that to be true. We know that Paul was executed. We know that Peter was executed. We know that James, um, his brother, was executed. Um, I think the only other thing that we we're sure of is thomas i, I could be wrong on that but i used to think that pretty yeah, much yeah. all of them were executed for it and now it turns out that we we're not quite so sure i think they were all persecuted but not all executed for definite that's the only one that i've used there then i found out wasn't as strong as i thought it was that's a good one
0: that's, that's yeah. a good one that, that's the question that's uh come through the weakest arguments for the existence of god you've personally used are the arguments you have put forward you don't actually think hold weight i
3: I'll
0: think I'll that. that one as well craig sorry go on go on andy well
1: if i must um i'll just I, now i'm on the big screen i can adjust my hat a little bit there you go the thing is that my <laughs> my camera is inverted weirdly so i like this reindeer is on the other side of where i actually am in real life
0: um, <laughs> it just take, take I, a little while to get used to
1: just, i've got should i put my bubble hang on where's my bubble there we are Put my <laughs> at the front,
0: that's um, lovely. Um, yeah, well, I bought this today specifically
1: for this event because I thought, you know, um, if Craig's gonna be, you know, talking about his past, I need to kind of <laughs> balance that <with laughs> a <bit> of <laughs> So, um, uh, I, I think certainly when I first became a Christian, I used a lot of uh, arguments from experience and and personal perception, and I think those are those are very good personal testimonies. So, you know, I had an experience and, um, I think those are really good for Christians. And I think they're interesting in terms of sharing a narrative and sharing your story. But in terms (coughs) of actual apologetics, um, you know, saying that you had an experience or you saw a light or whatever, it's it's a, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad argument. Um, it's not convincing unless someone is already invested in your, in your narrative. So, um, and I think that goes the same for talking about healings and things and things like that. I go out on the street a lot, and or did before, you know, back on old Earth, and pray for healing for for people a lot. And we see stuff happen. Um, but I don't use that to convince people the truth of Christianity, because again, it's just it comes across as hearsay, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. for me, that would be that would be a weak. I think a real powerful testimony for Christians and for people interested in Christianity when they see it live but um in terms of apologetics a bad argument a weak argument
4: it's it's hard isn't it because it's both it's it's strong in ways but weak weak in others because it's weak in the sense that when you then start getting into a competition with you know a muslim and a mormon about you know all your experiences about how you've been sort of transformed uh and and you know, your life's been sort of reorientated from from their particular from your particular different religious experiences, then it becomes weak. But 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 in a way it is strong. You know, there are, you know, just what Craig was talking about, like his his experience of uh, you know, and the same same with mine, like you're living one way and then you you know, you are literally transformed. Like your mind desires are, are radically transformed from one direction to 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 another, and there is something that's incredibly powerful about you know it's like when a lot of atheists when say, Oh well you know what um you know christianity doesn't doesn't change and you're all you're all hypocrites and stuff like that, and it's like well okay for every for every one person that um that changing their belief to an atheist radically transformed them i'll give you a thousand uh who were Drug dealers, mm. uh, you know, beating their girlfriends up, um, you know, whatever, all the worst. You know, German, a thousand you.
1: people who beat up their girlfriends. I, I,
4: you got to, you, you got to get some better friends yeah. there, Dan. <laughs> 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 no, Andy, I do not know a thousand people who beat their girlfriends up. <laughs> I, thankfully, uh, well, if I, they're all transformed now. Uh, the point, the point I'm trying to make is that you can easily come up with numerous people, you know, um, you know, whose, whose lives are radically transformed in a way that's meaningful and you know beneficial not only to the individual but to society as, as a whole as well, and that, that there is something powerful about about that testimony as well but it, it's weak when you're in you become you're becoming you sort of engaging competition between di- different testimonies or yeah uh, absolutely
1: or when it's when it's second hand so I think your life is your greatest apologetic I totally yeah. agree with that but I think when we're simply trying to you know debate third parties talking about something that happened to a friend of yours uh, on in China you know 10 years ago or whatever um, yeah that's when it becomes um, a little bit pie in the sky
5: to make it a bit a bit stronger, um, like in terms of just if you're talking like a strict naturalist um, and you're saying, look, billions of people around the world have religious experiences, even it's obviously weaker when you compare it Muslim and Christian, like you said, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got this argument, well, if on theism and on Christianity, it suits, it's more likely religious experience makes sense because they could say, oh, mental health or this is causing that. But it's very unlikely that billions across billions of people are having these experiences. Mm. So I think it can be a strong point just against like a strict naturalist, maybe.
4: Absolutely.
1: And then I think, sorry to hog it. Um, then you I, go for it. Uh, these, are, these are my real ears, by the way. Then I think um, that, you see, my, my major approach in apologetics and preaching is always to find out what the person I'm talking to is willing to accept anyway. So if you find someone who's maybe who believes in religious experiences or or has had some kind of spiritual experience, then I think then it becomes really comp- compelling because you can then draw a line of best fit to to the gospel. Um, but I think a lot of the people that you we've all spoken to and maybe used to be ourselves would be people who are just very happy to say, no, everyone who's had a religious experience is just deluded or uh, psychotic or whatever. So you want to use the, you want to, in terms of your opponents, by which I mean, the person you're talking to, you want to use their weight against them, don't you? You want to find out what it is that they already prepared to accept and then show that the Lord and the gospel make the best sense of, uh, of what they already
0: believe. Hmm. It's like apologetics jujitsu.
1: It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I I think talking about the worst, the worst argument has to go to, uh, when I was in primary school I vaguely recall a conversation with someone saying that you should believe in God because otherwise he might smite you um I don't recall him repenting on the spot
2: <laughs> but I just, strange
0: I, yeah I mean I've I've changed my tactics slightly in the the few years since then but um yeah, that, that would probably be my, my weakest argument for the existence of God. Although I, I think I was kind of going down the lines of um, uh, Pascal's wager. <laughs> That's my version of it. <laughs> um, any, any other weak arguments been been used? That's the question at the moment.
5: I think what you said there, Phil, i always found I've only been a Christian like 18 months, as I said before, I think like the street, preachers who are very much hellfire preaching mm. like in london when you get on towards oxford street and there's just this guy in the corner screaming at you that you're going to hell if you don't accept jesus christ as your lord and savior it's mm. not so much an argument but it's just a real aggressive way of mm. preaching the gospel and it, it put me off and i just thought look at this person like it's not saying you I don't think that has a, a, a higher success rate. I can't imagine that style is really offputting. I find mm. so, mm-hmm.
2: and I mean, if if people are going to respond to that, you've got to question are they responding for the right reasons or any anything anywhere near the right reasons? It's like, oh well, you, yeah. you've scared me into this. Well, it's not yeah. really heartfelt repentance, is it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Winds we'll up a, a sort of competition about what what religious belief can can uh, can can construct the worst possible negative outcome for post-death you know you can, you, you can always like wind up can't you like well this one's gonna you know you know this you know a thousand angry badgers are gonna be poking in the eye you know uh um, you know for for a thousand years and then and then the and then the beavers will start you know it, it you could you can you can construct like the worst possible one it's like well you know if you're gonna you're gonna embrace a particular religious belief, because that, well, it's just, well, you should believe this one, because it's an even worse outcome. Yeah. Uh, and then
1: there's a great banquet, but as a main course, they just serve soup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> Trying try, try to have those spoons. Did So, this is totally random. Did any of you have, like, um... I'm sure it's some popular Christian idea of like heaven and hell, but there was there was I don't even know if it's like um, Pilgrim's Progress or something, but the idea of heaven or or hell has all these really long knives and forks. The, big, and you the can't... Big long,
2: They've got like. Um... It's like big long bamboo things and they sort of trying to flip chickens up in the air and eat them. Yeah. That, and you're trying to feed yourself with it. these
0: ridiculously long cutlery. Yeah. And then heaven is everyone's, everyone's feeding Saving each it. other. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad you know what I'm talking about, Craig. That I'm that so bell, I, I, I have no be idea. <laughs> <laughs> no so so yeah hell, hell is just ridiculously long cutlery and, I, and when uh andy kind kindly mentioned soup I, th- I was just had this really weird image of really long soup spoons yeah. trying to feed yourself it's <laughs> actually a fork you're trying to eat you're trying to eat soup with a fork, with the fork. <laughs> <to> make it <laughs> worse. we can make worse. We always, can always make it worse yeah um, any worse arguments than that
1: No, the the argument from soup is the worst, by far. Eating soup
4: with a long fork doesn't get... (laughs) 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 I thought you can do other religions. Can you beat that? Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like something off a Jack Chick trap. You know, like those... um, It probably is. It it, it, it sounds like that's probably where it's from. Yeah, But also,
1: it's it's not working our favour either, because actually what we're saying is... um, our worst version of hell is a non-stop buffet. Well, people want that. That's what
4: they want. Well, that, thats what I mean. That it—it it, it is like in—in—in—in in, in a way, that's true. Because in some ways, like another people have uh think, you know, all the funds to be had in hell. Like so, that comes from somewhere, doesn't it? So, somewhat Christians uh, at some point culturally have presented something to people that actually I want to go there, not because. Of God, but that's where that's where all the fun will be. Um, so there's definitely been some sort of miscommunication somewhere along along the line.
0: But isn't it, but that is actually an apologetic argument, though, isn't it? That hell is just the end result of what people want. So mm. maybe people. Why do you are...
4: always end up talking about hell? It's your fault. Oh, you no. you, you You've,
0: You've got a problem.
4: You know, every time we do anything, it's like oh.
0: you started talking about badgers and beavers and hell. Yeah, Dan, you started it. you, you yeah, thanks, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Bad,
4: bad argument. I'll i be honest with you, I'm a I'm a bit of ashamed to admit shall I admit it? Yeah. yeah okay. Sorry. For when I first became a Christian for a little while it might, it might have been just a matter of 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 weeks, but I I thought I came to this. There there are reasons for it. I'm not going to get into it, but I, I thought that you that you couldn't um, you couldn't be a Christian unless you were a young Earth creationist, right?
0: Wait, you can't. I know.
4: Yeah, I, 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 and and so I think that's one of the one 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 of the worst arguments. Yes. Um, it's like well. Um, like I've using just lost a couple using, of viewers there, Dan. Just I know. But <laughs> like, because they use it's used as sort of this argument for God is that actually, yeah, um, that we the, the the origin story you've been sold by secular culture is 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 false, and the answer is that um, you know humans used to play with dinosaurs and 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 and, and the world the universe is only sort of six thousand years old. And that's that's used as an argument for God, you know. And you would appeal to you know the fossil record and a global flood and things like that. And that is actually an argument that people make for for God. So, and I think uh, at least for a little while, I did I did I did think that that was the 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 um you know a, a good argument to yeah. to use. Um,
0: that was to kind a powerful of... moment for you, Dan. I, I'm glad for, that you shared that. Thank you.
4: <laughs> Thank you.
0: It is. It's. it's... <laughs> Was that quite cathartic for you?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, I it did. It was very cathartic. Yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel, feel like a load has been lifted off. off I almost off. feel like we should all hug now. It's the
0: problem. Yeah.
2: <laughs> everyone, everyone, hug your monitor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so should we, we move on to the next question before we get um all, all vulnerable and huggy? Um, here we go. Is is the next one? Why are you not Catholic or Eastern Orthodox? I mean, that's a bit presu- presumptuous, but um, I guess I don't have the beard. <laughs> Eastern Orthodox.
4: <laughs> what have you been reading?
0: Every, so every Eastern Orthodox person that I know has a really really long beard, that's where that comes from. I, I haven't met an Eastern Orthodox person without a beard yet, so that kind of shows how many Eastern Orthodox people I've actually met in person at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not very many.
1: It, it's interesting though, isn't it, because probably most of us wouldn't, if so, if we were asked to, um, these are my, these are not fake, these are fake ears, um, <laughs> if, if we were asked to describe what it was that we were, we probably wouldn't say Protestant either, so why are nice. you not Catholic? I don't think of myself as Protestant, particularly. I, You know, I'm a uh, follower of Jesus or disciple or, or whatever. Radical right. meaning root Christian. Um, so that would be my primary answer. And I suppose if, if, if I wanted to be picky, I would say that um, I don't find the um, idolization of Mary terribly compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't find the... Uh, the priesthood of pretty much no believers, um, terribly compelling. Um, but equally, in terms of Anglicanism, if that's the if that's the other person in bat, well, I don't find Anglicanism terribly convincing in in, in some of its um, methods either. So, yeah,
4: that careful, would be my careful,
0: Dean, in. deans an Anglican.
4: Going back to the Mary stuff is interesting because I think one of the things that um, imagine, I don't know, would we all class ourselves as, I don't know, I don't really like labels, That's it's, it's cool not to like labels as well, but uh, like evangelicals, uh, like yeah. would people think of themselves under that sort of umbrella-ish, more, more than they would a Protestant, I, I suppose.
1: In a British as, sense, I'm evangelical. Yeah, not, not
4: American. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just to clarify, I'm not one of them. We still love them. But, um, they lo- the- Jesus loves them. But, but the, the the thing about mary is interesting because um we i think evangelicals under well protestants as a whole underplay uh mary um, yeah. as a sort of because mm. if you if you read the gospel if you read luke's gospel it's like blessed is this woman like Mm. and even if even if you look at the creeds and things like that like theotokos like mother of god Mm. and and that and that's 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 all within the realms of of orthodoxy and yet i think a lot of protestants being speaking generally would be very uncomfortable talking about mary as the mother of god Mm. uh and 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 emphasizing the fact that actually she is blessed we're told that she's gonna be blessed among among humans Mm. you know in in, in luke's gospel so we, we just on that thing i think you know i think Roman Catholics you know in terms of I imagine what you're getting Andy, take it too far you know you're uncomfortable with the level of devotion but also on the other side of things I think Protestants um don't go far enough yeah we actually we underplay um the the influ- the the uh the the value of of Mary um and how we should sort of con- consider her in in Christian tradition uh and it's somewhere somewhere in 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 the middle really is where it should where it should be
1: yeah yeah. I think there's something about ritual as well. It's not quite the same. It's a different argument, but I like the nuance. When I did the screen <laughs> for nuance. you guys, we talked a lot about nuance, didn't we? And <laughs> I think there's um, there's something about um, like I I've got a new a, a recent appreciation for um, the Catholic rituals, even the way that they pray and mm-hmm. sort of the iconography as as a, as, a, as a as long as it's used as. A way into prayer, a doorway into prayer, rosary beads or, or whatever—a way to focus on the Lord, and it's not used superstitiously. Mm, uh, you, sure. you know, you want that sort of golden mean—that um, that Aristotle, taught, <coughs> that, that amazing halfway house. Um, you know, generosity, of course, is the halfway between profligacy and miserliness. And I think with all of these theologies, you. You want to find some kind of nuanced middle ground. So um yeah, I I'm I'm convinced by what you said about Mary. Uh I am now a Catholic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's gone badly wrong. wrong. <laughs> Look what you've done.
4: <laughs> blame Dan. The thing the thing about Roman Catholic is is I'm I'm like you, I think it's like a an age thing as well. Like I, I really I went to a a Jesuit university um and like I I I love all the tradition and the and the and the the pomp and and stuff, and I, I like there's part like and I love the the ritual. I think as evangelical, like um you know as kind of inheritors of of you know the Reformation Reformation sort of theology and things like that. Um, it, the Reformation did a lot of harm. You know, removing you know the images and and the, and the crosses and the art and 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 everything that was. You know, there there is something about those things that draw you know draw your heart and your eyes up to God to look up to to this sense of awe that you don't get when you're in a you know a an evangelical church that's you know basically just your kitchen without utensils and some chairs it, 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 it there's nothing that there's nothing that invigorates the soul that that draws that 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 gives you that sense of awe uh, which which you get i think in a in a sort of uh, you know, high church, Anglican or Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, whatever it is. Um, and I, and there's something about, I do, I do find, hard, like I miss that. I miss that like feeling like I'm part of something that reaches back 2000 years. Cause yeah. I think we, 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 we do church in a way that we, we talk about, Oh, we're, we're, we're all the same. We're no different to everyone else, but we think of ourselves as a little bit better about doing it in the right, in uh, you know, in a, in a, in a more, authentic way and yeah. i actually think at the expense of you know things like liturgy you know i, yeah. I was chatting to a friend this week about how i love uh again look, i'm part of new frontiers like you know the ivan you know charismatic with a seatbelt type um <laughs> but, 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 I, but but there is something powerful about liturgy about how um uh, uh, december um, you know reading through the gospels you know looking at the nativity and that feeling in a sort of rhythm um you know a spiritual sort of rhythm that then suddenly disappears and i love i love december for that for that reason um whereas for the rest of the year i don't have it because in my church stream it's not something that 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 we do easter maybe get a little bit a little bit like it but i can see the value in the in the rhythm of 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 actually your whole year being ordered by uh you know around the gospel In in some way,
0: I think that's a huge part of it, and I think having yeah, talked to a few Catholics of that, yeah, the the rhythm, the tradition, the even when it comes down to apologetics or not necessarily apologetics, but internal doctrine, you can just kind of go, well, this is what the church is teaching, (laughs) and you just, which in some ways can be a bit lazy, but actually sometimes can stop you going down rabbit holes of. Uh, getting yourself tied up in knots over certain doctrinal issues. So there's quite a nice safety net in that of going, actually, I don't get this bit. I don't get why there's so much of debate. I'm just going to sit where the church sits and, and maybe God will make it more clear later. But there there is a, a point where I think in evangelicalism, duck, you can end up with this point of, well, at least you see it online particularly, I've, I've read the Bible. I I can independently decide what doctrine I'm going to hold. Therefore, there is no Trinity or there is no something or the 2,000 years of Christian history is totally wrong. The church is wrong on this. And you, you end up with a very fragmented looking uh, idea of Christianity um, and a lot of um, things that have been dealt with by the church, like all those heresies, um, all of them.
2: <laughs> uh, have have gen-
0: generally been dealt with um, through history, except for the the one that I won't talk about. But
3: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Is that, uh,
0: has anyone read any like books
4: by like a Catholic apologist, like a uh, you know someone like Trent Horn or, or, or... Ed Fiser?
5: Yeah. Um, that was more. Uh, Ed Fiser was more about natural theology. He wasn't pushing forward the uh, Catholic sort of um, side of. It. He wasn't talking about the pope. <laughs> Things I'll just, the things I have the main issue with Catholicism would be like papal infallibility um, yeah. in the session of the saints uh, and works. It feels a bit workspace sometimes instead of just justification by faith mm. alone. It seems uh sometimes you're, you're working your way back and then you would take the sacrament on Sunday. So you earn your grace back kind of. And it, mm. it feels like you're having to earn stuff. And it, it, it seems quite biblical I know in in the book of james it kind of says some of this controversy there and the Catholics will point to that about the works but overall it goes against sort of paul's teachings
2: and the teachings of the New Testament I think that I think that's probably the biggest issue for me would be the the people infallibility thing and the now I've, I'm not I'm, I'm not an expert in Catholicism or anything like that I haven't read loads about it but um there there are certain issues like the papal infallibility and the the idea that well this is the you know this is the church for two thousand years the Catholic Church has existed for two thousand years well it it quite clearly hasn't. Um the idea of like an unbroken succession of popes going right back to Peter, the history doesn't doesn't bear that up. Um the idea of papal infallibility which wasn't even defined until eighteen seventy hmm. um the I I can't think of any examples off the top of my head now. They there apparently there's sort of been papal communications that have contradicted previous papal communications which calls into question the whole papal infallibility thing. Um, the idea that you're not allowed to like to disagree with the pope is to instantly sort of it doesn't send you straight to hell but what do they say? <laughs> Anathematizing you. And then like you said as well about the work side of it um, they point to that one passage in James but then you kind of point to the book of Romans and go yeah look at that read chapters three to eight of romans and then tell me that i have to earn my salvation tell me that i can't be forgiven until a priest has forgiven me mm-hmm. and then their interpretation of matthew 16 and you know I'm, I'm just i'm just splurging it you know because of I'm, I'm, I'm a lot
4: people. a lot a lot of roman you know, if you speak to roman catholics though sort of um they'll you know, they'll point to the i think what what evangelicals do as a group I'm speaking as not as individual but as a group we're really badly informed about roman catholicism mm-hmm. and even more so eastern orthodoxy i don't mm-hmm. know what that's about uh and um it's very easy like um we, we we kind of embrace these things we've heard but we've never actually spoken to like because mm-hmm. like, we do the same right it's like imagine imagine a roman Catholic said look um oh Protestant or evangelicalism—it's a load of nonsense, you know. I've got this neighbour; he goes to church. I asked him questions, didn't know nothing, and then Mm -hmm. and we'd say, "Oh yeah, but you have to, you know, if you listen to William Lane Craig, or have you if you done this, this is what you need to do." And then we do the same thing. So we're like, "Oh no, Roman Catholicism." I've got this neighbour, and he goes to Catholic church, Mm -hmm. Catholic school, and I went to a Catholic school, and it was nonsense. And then. so we do the same thing. We use our mm. sort of anecdotal experience rather than going to someone like, like a Trent yeah. Horn or a Scott Hahn or something like that. You know, someone who actually presents the strongest case for Roman Catholicism, and uh, which which I think we should do. I, you know, I, I think it's it's hypocritical of, of us to expect other people not to do the, the mm. same same for Islam, you know, who yeah. um, yeah. friend we can point to rather than going to the strongest presentation. So I think as, as Christians, we do have a responsibility to try and... Um, you know, if we're uh, rather than just repeat, I'm, I'm not saying we are. Mm. Not, I'm saying, but as as a group, there is a there is a, a burden on us to expect of others what we expect of ourselves.
3: Mm-hmm. Do, do think... you guys
5: ever
4: watch um, sure. Matt Fred's channel?
0: A, li- a little on and off. Well,
5: know it's good. He's, he's a Catholic apologist on YouTube. He's quite like Cameron Bertuzzi, but well, for they've the done, a few, for they've the done the a, a few shows together, haven't they? They've done a few yeah. ca- and it's really the ones together is like Cameron trying to understand from a Protestant evangelical mm-hmm. side, the Catholic side, and he's explaining mm-hmm. it. And Cameron at the end of the first one was like, yeah, I can agree with that. Like what Andy said, um rosary breeds. We can agree with that. It's not something evil. They're just focusing while you're praying. And mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. It's all about who you hear from as well, isn't it? So, you know, there is, there's plenty of um famous evangelical charismatic preachers who I agree with, and actually wouldn't want to recommend at all uh, for for someone to watch. And, you know, so like a Catholic would say, you know, if a Catholic said to me, "Oh no, you should listen to Richard Raw," well, I've listened to Richard Raw, and he seems it seems to be an argument for strictly come dancing rather than <laughs> anything particularly theological. Um, I say what is interesting, um, having done comedy for churches for the last sixteen years, I've never once been asked to do an outreach gig for a Catholic church. The only Catholic gig I've ever done in 16 years was for a um, Catholic youth conference. uh, And it was the, it was the charismatic fringe of uh, Catholicism. So it just, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I just think it's interesting um, that in the UK, certainly there doesn't seem to be that, Missional
3: edge mm. to mm. Catholicism,
1: and again, you'd say, "Well, actually, I don't see that in lots of churches either, even, you know, Protestant churches either." So we're not trying to draw battle lines here, but I'm just trying to observe some of the things from my own from my own experience. Uh, and now um, I'm going back to an argument from experience, which I which I <laughs> back to the, the first five minutes. Zoom out, that's it. <laughs> Have you done any um, JW gigs? What's that?
4: Have you done any JW gigs?
1: Um, well, I turned up and I knocked on the door and they didn't answer. So it was, uh, I didn't know what to do about
2: that. They wouldn't have been happy about you turning up in Christmas gear. I can tell you that. No. <laughs> and anyone want to take uh, the programmers? I-, I wasn't sure who that was too. The Pope not seen as the ultimate leader. Well, in Catholicism, the Pope is, is the ultimate leader. I mean, l- lower down Catholics, as uh, lower rank Catholics have, have criticized the Pope, but the, the Catholic, stance is that the pope is the final authority and the final say in absolutely everything and anything so um yeah i think he is the ultimate leader it's not like we get a church leader over here and people can feel free to disagree with them mm. you're, you're automatically anathematized in the catholic church if you disagree with the pope or with the um the the is it the college of cardinals something like that uh, the, the,
4: the, the thing is though, a thing like this is again um it's as important though sort of Christian history is that um if you read like letters from early church fathers Mm. it reads like this you know if you if you talk about Ignatius you read letters you know some of the the letters of Ignatius um it, it, it is they they speak about you know if you if you if you criticize the bishop uh you're it's like you're criticizing God like you don't so this is this is this is early on as well so this is something people like if we're saying we have to we have to we have how how do we deal with stuff like that because it's it's you know because if you go back to the earliest church tradition we have this is this is that kind of theme that is that's developing from then It, it it's not something that developed later this 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 respect and seeing your your bishop or your spiritual authorities as as representing god was there was a real emphasis on that uh we have to we have to we have to do everything uh you know we have to we have to deal with that how do we uh, you know so then the, 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 yeah i don't know it's kind of it's, it's kind of always there within church tradition it's not something that um
0: i think i think it's something that i'm on the back foot on <clears throat> as a protestant growing up in a very evangelical community growing up i feel like i'm i've lost some identity or understanding of early church tradition. And it's something that definitely Catholics and Eastern Orthodox would know their story far more than most Protestants. Um I and mean, I wouldn't have had any idea even until uni really of anyone with a name like Titudian or um, <clears throat> anything like that with Eusebius and Augustine. Like um, it was only probably relatively recently that I found out that Augustine was uh, from Northern Africa. So mm-hmm. it's, it's something I think that Protestants don't do well at all <laughs> is understanding that we're from this uh, vast tradition of um, theology grappling with who Jesus is. And for me, that's that's been quite a significant thing in the last few years is finding my identity as a Christian in the line of Christians. And this we, we talk about Hebrews and the great cloud of witnesses of kind of I only found that I understand a small part of the great cloud <laughs> uh, <laughs> rather than the, the thousands of years of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it doesn't really answer the question of, of why I'm not Eastern Orthodox or Catholic. I found that I have, as I've explored biblical doctrine, that there are certain doctrines that I a- agree with that are probably more Orthodox and and Catholic. But then there's also things that other people have said as well, like, Um, I I struggle with the idea of papal infallibility and and various things like that um, and and the veneration of the saints. Mm. So, but our Catholics, fellow Christ followers, sure, um, I I imagine a large portion of them are just as a large portion of Protestants are. So (laughs) kind of, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Any Any other thoughts on that question? No. I'll just say in terms of like, like you
5: touched on there Phil um, I'd say like the Catholics and even Orthodox they're all our brothers in Christ it's not like um, Jehovah Witness or a Mormon mm-hmm. which you can tell is a separate sort of sect or cult if you want to say it like that it's uh, the, the whole Protestant Catholic history was quite strong and I know in, in Ireland where my family are from Belfast where there was a big uh, Catholic president problems as we all know um, mm-hmm. so it. Sometimes Catholics got a bad rep and all that, but I, I think we just got to come recognize that they are all together in Christ and their doctrine is sound and a lot of things, and the deity of Christ and things like that. So mm. I think that's
0: important. They, 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 in like the Nicene Creed, so um, we're kind of good with that. Mm. Um, I've got another question here that's a little bit more towards uh, I suppose um, apologetics uh, line of thinking that probably moves away from the sort of Eastern Orthodoxy aspect uh, and and Catholicism. Uh, The question is probably a bit more personal experience. So uh, where do you find faith in this devastating world? I'll I'll get it on the the banner there. Nice and uh, light. For, for this where do you find faith in this devastating world?
2: That's much more of a personal thing, isn't it rather than I think that is more a personal thing than a, an apologetic thing really, because each one of us, no, no matter our story we've we've reached a point in our lives where whether it was a dramatic encounter or just the kind of light going on or, or something has happened in our lives whereby you know by by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the movement of of God we've come to know that it's true. I mean, I, I'm i really jealous of people who have this massive kind of, you know, conversion experience, choirs of angels and, and all this kind of thing. I remember I remember the, the point of my salvation. I was just sitting in church and it was almost like somebody whispered in my ear, you, you know, this is true, right? Not like I, I, I didn't hear a voice, but I mean, it was just this kind of moment where, where a light went on and it was very, it was almost a subdued and I've got to be honest, kind of an anti-climax. It's like, it's true it's actually true and i think from that point on when that happens you see things in the world that sort of bring you to your knees and you see things that are heartbreaking you see things that are dreadful and you see tragedy but you also see sort of beauty and hope and and you you encounter christ and you you find these things happening in your life and and you as um Ben and andy were saying your life is transformed and you have this personal experience and from that point on it's not a case of sort of Struggling and grappling to hold on to to find faith, like it's a set of car keys that have gone down the back of the sofa. It's mm-hmm. it's just something that's part of you, you know. um mm-hmm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and and you know, and faith is a gift, as it says in Ephesians two. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I'm just I've, I've kind of lost my thread. I'm rambling now, but yeah. I think I think the the faith, the faith thing. We see the horrors and we see the bad things and we see bad things in the Bible as well, but. But if you're going to take a bit of the Bible, then you've got to take all of the Bible. And if you're going to take a bit of life, then you've got to take all of life. And you see the bad things, but then you see transformed lives and you see hope and you see light going on in people's lives. And you see, you know, people finding Christ and and their lives are transformed. And and then you look at people like that and you think, yeah, Jesus, you know, the the old cliche, Jesus never promised us an easier life. And Jesus never Mm. said this, this world was going to be great but he did say i've come to have i'm mean, you know i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly and, and he has mm. promised us that we'll be with him in eternity so yeah i th- i think it's just a case of of understanding that the world isn't going to be great and the world isn't going to be all you know sunshine and rainbows it but yeah. there's there's an eternal hope there's an eternal hope in christ i think that's where our faith comes from
1: yes. i think that's right and i think the um I really liked what you said, and also that you look a bit like my stunt double. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> um, That's what I was going for. I think the um, I think the most compelling thing about Christianity is that it oh. it, it hits suffering head on. Mm. Doesn't ignore it. Doesn't call it illusion. Mm. Doesn't blame us individually for the fact that we suffer. Um, hits it head-on, meets us in it, and offers us a way out of it. And I, I do think it, it obviously depends what we mean by faith, because what someone says when they say, "how where do you find faith? They might not mean what we think of as yeah. faith. So for us as Christians, faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. Hope, on a Christian view, has a substance, and it's called faith. Mm-hmm. But but then you might say, well, what do we mean by hope? Hope doesn't, isn't just expecting that thing you want to happen to happen or waiting for that thing that you want to happen to happen. 2020 has shown that that most of the things we hoped would happen, hoped would happen, expected to happen, were wishing for, have not happened. And mm-hmm. in lots of cases, the opposite of those things has happened. So, um, you know, the where do we get our faith we get our faith we keep our faith from the fact that christianity offers a a placeholder and also then an entry route from the the problem of suffering in a way that, that just nothing else comes close mm-hmm. to doing and um you know it is the it's the anchor for our soul isn't it i mean a lot of, a lot of hebrew has been quoted today but uh, it's the anchor for our for our soul when you've got nothing else you're still anchored in that in that relationship with uh with with jesus so yeah as as much as my uh look-alike said mm. we could reform mm-hmm. right said fred the band do you remember
2: we absolutely should
1: we should do that <laughs> yeah. um richard here can go on drums this is richard by the way um,
2: <laughs>
1: he uh he keeps telling me his blood is black i think he was been in the store company for a year and like he came out, he's like, "Oh, my blood is black." I don't know what he means by that. Anyway, that's not really to do with apologetic. Um Someone else have a go now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, just leave it at that. Who's going
2: who's gonna to follow that one?
0: <laughs> but, yeah, oh. I, I, probably probably end up being a bit heavy. I, I guess I guess the biggest question with, with the, the assumption of a devastating world, the kind of often the reply is, "Well, what makes it devastating, and why do we expect any different?" Mm. Um, so. I, i still so for for, for for me and this is definitely a personal experience response um maybe there's a slight apologetic edge to it but i'm happy for pushback but i can't when i try and put myself in um specifically in an atheistic worldview to look at suffering it seems just like bad luck there's not really a good or bad about it is just is and i know that's a dawkinsism from his god delusion but that seems to be an honest view of things like if you cut out uh objective meaning then then anything that's suffering well you just kind of have to get on with it and so when someone asks why is there suffering and why does it matter it assumes that there should be something better something different Mm -hmm. and that i think isn't answered on the atheistic worldview. I'm not saying that people don't find uh, their own personal answer to that or or their own personal meaning, but I don't find that a satisfactory answer. And I think other other faiths might have their own understanding of suffering and what what the answer is to suffering. But I think Christianity gives us the, the best hope and a grounding that's can be dug into historically as well which helps um so if someone really did defeat death well that's something worth figuring out uh, what that means for for us the the one big pointer of of suffering so i'm happy for any pushback on that because i i I keep asking this question like why does suffering matter and at least over text (laughs) in text format i haven't had a really have any of you had a decent engagement with that um
1: well, yeah. I, I think when we're talking about, I'm sorry if I'm hogging it, but you I go like, for it.
0: We've got the time. It's, <laughs> like You're easy it. to look at. It here? We um, like the reindeer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when people are asking about suffering, they're not asking about rationale. They don't want. Mm. They don't want reason in inverted commas. They're asking an emotional question, mm. and what we have is the fact that actually, Christianity. And this is why I remain a Christian. I actually think the intellectual arguments for Christianity are slightly stronger than their opponents. But where I think Christianity is the only one to come to the table is in the emotional sense that it makes. Christianity, and it's what Francis Spuford talked about in, in his book, is that Christianity makes the most emotional sense. It it answers the deepest longings of of the heart. And... And and you just don't find that anywhere else. And wh- again, I'm all about this hidden in plain sight idea. When someone says, when someone says to me, "Oh yeah, well I can find, I can find joy and you know uh, love and, and, and hope in in things that aren't religion," I say, "Yeah, but you you agree then that you're wired for joy and hope yeah. and purpose and things and love, unconditional love." You know, you des- everybody desires that state of being where all shall be well. Everybody desires that state of being, and and Jesus is the only one who offers it. So,
2: it's like um, the the argument from desire, isn't it? The argument from longing, like C.S. Lewis made it made it big, but it's the the overwhelming feeling within everybody that there's there's something that isn't quite there's something that's missing. In this world, there's something we're we're meant for something other than this. And there's, you know, I, I hate that kind of cheesy Americanism, but it, it turns out that it's annoyingly accurate. There's a God shaped hole in everyone's heart. You know, it's like there's there's something that we long for that nothing in this world can can fulfill. Mm-hmm. And you get so many so rich people and successful people and famous people and people who've sort of gotten to the the peak of whatever field they're in. And they they get there and they find that it isn't what they thought it was going to be. And then you you find Christ and you think, well, even when I'm having a rotten day, you know, I love the um, like the book of Psalms. Like you were saying earlier, Andy, the Bible meets suffering head on. It doesn't try and brush it under the rug. Huge chunks of the book of Psalms are about I'm so miserable. I'm so lost. (laughs) I'm in agony. I'm afraid. They're after me. I've got I don't know where my my hope is coming from, but it's always turns back to but you're there, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, you're there lord and, and i and i know that you are there so and i know that eventually i'll see you so yeah life is rubbish sometimes just to keep it really light you know as you said anyway. mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: but um <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna
1: have to put another hat on if you're not careful
2: <laughs> <laughs> The hat is out
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's working um just to say on the the chat um i think the programmers found the pigeonhole because uh, we've just had like stacks Uh-oh. of questions come. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Uh, mm, including including ones like that. I think this is the program. It sounds like, so I just said, uh, whoever wrote this as a question. Yeah. We would be up for a meetup. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we we'll, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I'll, I'll <do> that. <laughs> yeah. So we we agree, but, um, there's also some other, other questions have, have come in that are, um, yeah. If, if you want to vote them up so that we just talk about some interesting, things. Um I mean we haven't even answered his Dean a heretic yet. So I mean we can tick that one off. Saving that to the end. <laughs> Once you see me dance. Oh we haven't <laughs> even seen the oh, dance yeah. yet. Come on. Let's ah,
4: let's When Dan gets out the wine I'll do a dance. I'm gonna be getting my Shiraz in a minute, I think. So, um, the um dancing. It, there is something about like going going back to the to the to the, the question there is something about um about christianity that um why why it's so successful um, around around like in the, in the non western world so south america um, africa Asia, et etc is um, there's something that it offers people um i think when you're when you're in poverty and you and you 've known suffering and just to say there is a bit of a is there a um I'm not hearing it, an echo. Alright, oh, I've got a massive echo. Um bit, we can mute ourselves for a moment. So there there is there is something about, about what Christianity is perceived, to, but I mean when when your life sucks, um and, and I and I've been there and you know you you've known um you know suffering and, and things like that. And and on, on a cosmic level, there's there's nothing about um naturalism or 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 atheism or um that um offers any any sort of satisfying response. It's like you know why why is why is atheism not on the uh not on the up in in areas in in areas of the world where there is you know massive poverty and, and and suffering and things well it's because telling people um who are uh, unsatisfied, unhappy, poor, uh, suffering, don't have access to you know good healthcare and and, and things like that. Uh, that actually on a cosmic scale you don't matter to anyone, and and the only people that are ever going to remember you uh, are are those that uh, you know your 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 loved ones if you're lucky enough to have any, and and other than that it's just sort of you know I guess it kind of sucks, but no one will remember you. Um, and there's nothing particularly um, uplifting about that. Now, as I said before, like, actually, that doesn't matter in terms of truth. That could be absolutely true. You know, mm. you couldn't matter on a cosmic level and, and you know, no one's going to remember you five minutes after your death. It uh, doesn't mean it's not true. Mm. But there is also something that's incredibly powerful about, um, about the gospel message. Actually, actually, no, actually, you do matter on a cosmic level. Look, the universe is immense. Uh, you know to the point you can't even fathom and yet you matter and mm. yet and yet the God who created it all uh actually knows you uh added to himself flesh entered the and entered the world and and um you know is willing to engage with you to f- to 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 forgive you to know you to uh and there is something you know for people who have uh nothing or you know um not just have nothing I don't always mean you have nothing but you know in in you know in the midst of suffering and, and and tragedy actually there is something immensely immensely existentially powerful with that uh and and um and and draws draws people in um uh and that that's something that was so powerful to me is like you know i thought on a uh on, on on a cosmic scale i just i didn't i didn't matter um and actually i think that's why the the, the gospel made so much it was so powerful because it was you know it's actually saying no the 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 incarnation is true but this is this happened in history you know compared to any other religion you know that's what's so unique about christianity is it happened in history you know uh we we uh, and 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 that christ rose from the dead and that it matters that christianity is a historical religion compared to others mm. uh, and and so it's not just wish wishful thinking like oh I want that. I want to matter to God. You know, I want there to be a creator. I want to have cosmic significance. But actually it's rooted in in historical um, in human history. And I think yeah. that's that's so powerful.
1: Human hmm. Humanism is really good at um, churning out bumper stickers for the backs of cars. Um, so, for instance, you know, you go up to a, a five year old child dying of, of cancer and say oh well mate you know we're here for a good time not a long time and they say well <laughs> i haven't had either of those uh yolo i mean mm. these, are, these are bumper stickers and and you, you get down to it and actually most sort of street humanists or street atheists will have to default to something like that and that's not an that's not an explanation of reality that is a that is a fobbing off that is a, an explaining away mm. of Of reality and you know so you've got these bumper stickers and then you've got the Word of God that is living and active and actually you know ticks those boxes but equally when someone says oh it's just wishful thinking well no because if it was just wishful thinking then the Bible wouldn't be so strong on telling us not to engage in wishful thinking but actually to have something that goes beyond that which is actually properly rooted Um, so yeah, I think actually the fact that the Bible says, well, no, you... On the one hand, emotionally, this makes a lot of sense. But also, it, you, it's really going to cost you. As, as C.S. Lewis said, it wouldn't be... And he, we wouldn't be five evangelicals if we weren't all quoting C.S. Lewis every 37 seconds. But, you know, he says, if you don't want to deal in facts, we well, can make anything up. The fact is, <laughs> when you're dealing with facts, it's going to be it's going to be hard and it's going to be complicated. Um,
0: yeah, that's good.
5: You don't become a Christian for like the easy ride, basically, do you? You, you lose mm-hmm. friends, you lose, like I've lost, well not lost friends, but you don't have the same like drinking pattern as Craig mentioned. I had that. I was a heavy drinker as well. You don't have, your lifestyle changes and it, it is in many ways a lot harder. It's easy It's easy to live without worrying about consequences or or um, uh, it, um, with your desires and things like that. So it's a stricter life in certain senses, but it's well worth it. And it's yeah i completely agree with what andy was just
0: saying
1: yeah i should hope so
0: (laughs) just to keep it light just to keep it light um so dan's off to get his wine um so we'll uh just remember the stream uh here's here's the next one near-death
5: experiences
0: yeah yeah um i've i've
5: I've, uh watched quite a few things on youtube about like documentaries and it's really intriguing gary Habermas, i don't know if you guys are aware of him he talks about near-death experiences and he's like got from peer-reviewed scientific journals and he he only goes by that standard and he also doesn't even look at the like millions who say they've gone to heaven or hell or different religious experiences is no what can we actually factual prove like above the uh, bed, the operating table, there's a 12-digit scan number on this piece of machinery that this woman said she drifted above, saw her body, saw the number, remembered it, and told the nurse. The nurse, the next day, got the ladder Like when the maintenance man was in the room. He went up there, exactly the same number. You can't explain that through, well, anything really. It's, they're the cases he looks at, and I've I've got really interested in about, six months ago and through Habermas and things like that. And I haven't read any good books on it yet, but it sounds really unexplainable in certain situations like that. There's other ones where they go across the hospital route, two rooms down, and then they'll say, I heard you talking about the, your husband or something in this room. They come back round, they speak to the person, say, I heard this. How could they have known that? It's, it's literally impossible, yeah. especially if, if there's no soul. We're just literally chemistry in our brains. It's... Yeah and we die on death, yeah. these people are, are dead, they're gone. And they're knowing these other things. It's just, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely impressed
0: with what I've heard. About. That, yeah, that's really interesting. Go on, uh, Yeah, sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. Oh, uh, it's just kind of, a, <laughs> it's kind of great. Yeah. You've probably got something more more to say than I have. So I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with, with them. That there's this sort of, all they prove in my mind is there's something more to us than just chemicals and um yeah a naturalistic explanation would would really struggle with that kind of evidence that he pulls together and i think where it goes into things like uh heaven and hell tourism <laughs> uh <laughs> that's that's where i would struggle um and i, and I think actually gen- generally what i have found those with well, the books of kids who've seen heaven or those uh, horrific YouTube clips that you can find of those you visited hell, Gen- generally anyone defending their particular view of the afterlife uh, through an NDE will ignore all the other NDEs that disagree with their understanding of the afterlife. Um, and And... I've, I've just heard so many really terrible arguments as to why that might be that their one version of this afterlife must be true because of this one or two ndes that have written books and they wouldn't lie obviously because they're not making money well they kind of are but this one from a hindu who had an afterlife experience they must be wrong they're just lying or something and, and it is. So that that's the kind of argumentation around NDEs that I'm just like, nah. <laughs> but if there's an interesting story like you were saying, uh, Dean, where you just can't explain what they've heard, what they've seen, when they should have been dead. Because that- Habermas,
5: Habermas is exactly the same as you, feel. Like he said, he dismisses all the heaven, hell, different religious views. He just sticks to the cases which you can, like, scientifically look at the equipment above the room or there was this shoe on the roof of the hospital how would she have known that in that case of so that that side of it what he was sticking to danny it feels trying to bring up hell again by the way so when oh. <laughs> she walks off he's only went away for
0: like two minutes <laughs> yeah all right i'll just change my name to the hell guy um yeah, I, I, the, I, 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 of the wine. Well, I'm drinking out the bottle though. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm classy. laughs> I couldn't find the glass. I find the glass. <laughs> um, any any other comments on NDs? I think I think that's pretty much. I, I don't have any more to say. Does anyone else have any more to say on, on near death experiment ex- experiments experiences? Experience. <laughs> just just
1: to agree with what's being said, so Habermas would say that uh, you know he said twenty percent of NDEs are hellish. So statistically, twenty percent of them are hellish in some way, but yeah, as you both just said, it's a really good um, argument against materialistic naturalism, um, and and then once you're once you get someone to accept that there are NDE experiences, well, then you can simply ask that question again: what makes the most sense of that? What what case can we can we draw? And I, I think. Apologetics. I'm becoming increasingly anti-American, not anti any particular American theology, but just quite anti-American. In it, that, that's too strong. But I quite like the British approach. The good old British approach is to just have a cup of tea and to, <laughs> and to put forward, you know, arguments that make more sense than their than their uh, opponents. Whereas I think it, I've been thinking about it today when I was in the bath, and because um, I wanted, you know. I wanted to have a rehearsal for my baptism, and um, I uh, i was thinking, actually, American apologetics, it's run like the Marine Corps, hmm. it's like, we've got to have all of these arguments and they've got to be knocked down arguments, and we will not be beaten. We will be the first argument on the battlefield the last argument out of it. <laughs> I, I, I'm really impressed by all of that, but also I don't think we need to go that far. We could just chill out a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have a cup of tea and, um, you know, and just look at things in a more English way. Hmm. Have a scone and some jam. A and offer, scone. And, and That's offer controversial. A cumulative case. So I do think, and I know William Lane Craig it, would talk about this really well. Christianity offers a really good cumulative case. Okay, so the universe is likely to have had a beginning. The universe is rigged in our favour in terms of fine-tuning. Morality Exists. We've got good evidence that Jesus did lots of cool things and appeared to his disciples. You've got these this wiring that is made set, best sense off by Christianity. I think as a, as a domino effect, that's mm. the best way to look at it. You look at any you look at any argument any in its own right. You kind of reju- remove it from the herd, mm. and it's gonna get it's gonna get taken out. And I think this is what I wanted to say. Not that anyone's
2: asking this, but someone asked me this on on pigeonhole and and ask it and then you can answer it
1: no no i don't (laughs) need i always answer the question that i've chosen to answer even if it's not (laughs) future um someone i gave i inadvertently gave some really good advice that i realized was good advice as i was giving it even though i hadn't planned to give it somebody said to me what's the best advice you would give to like a somebody um sharing the gospel and i would say don't Don't take on, it's like a fight. Don't take on a group that are against you. If you're going to talk about, if you're going to defend your faith, don't do it when you're the only Christian in the room, particularly for a a new person, because actually you are going to get shouted out. You're going to get surrounded and and spoken over. It doesn't matter if no one else knows what they're talking about. They will all feel safety in numbers and they will all convince themselves that, that you are, the moron and you will just feel really, really, really deflated. So um hmm. I think one to one chats are the way forward. And I know that's not what we were talking about, but I'm gonna be 40 soon. And so I'm probably suffering from early onset dementia. <laughs> <laughs> just just to say
4: about the go um, on. Are we still still talking about near death experience? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Andy Andy brought in another I'm question.
1: about to have one because <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
4: there is there are some interesting like naturalistic explanations of near-death experiences so you know we do have there's an endogenous so like we have it within our body a hallucinogen um a dmt uh, tryptamine. and you know there's, there has been some interesting research looking at how actually when you know uh when someone is clinically dead yeah but still being resuscitated that actually that the DMT can have, um, because it is a hallucinogen, can have um, you know similar. You know, people who have been awake have had similar kinds of experiences using DMT as a as a hallucinogen, uh, an exogenous uh, hallucinogen. Have have these kinds of out of body experiences. So it is within the realms of possibility that um, you know there are uh, there are naturalistic explanations to near death experiences uh, without. Um, you know, embracing a non-naturalist explanation for it, which I think I'm kind of, I, I, I think I kind of. It's not like I'm ruling out uh, near near-death experiences, but I actually think if I if I was a naturalist, I wouldn't feel too um, challenged. I think by um, a, a theistic explanation to near-death experiences, because because I think actually there are there are some good uh, there are some good naturalistic reasons to kind of explain them.
0: Interesting. I'll have to look into that a bit more. Um, here's another question. Have you guys experienced a miracle?
4: Uh, I was saved. <laughs> 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 Where's
2: your mic? I was, um, yeah, I was the church that I used to be in. I um, I left there some years ago, <clears throat> but the first church that I was a part of, the church where I was saved, um there was a guy that was in a wheelchair and he'd been coming to church for quite a long time he hadn't just turned up one night he'd been coming to church quite a long time he'd um he'd become almost completely paralyzed from the waist down in a car crash years earlier he he had a very very limited use of his legs like very limited um after the service one day the pastors prayed for him and he picked up he stood up and he picked up his wheelchair and he started running around the church with it over his head Hmm. um and he and he's still walking now he occasionally does have to sort of retire to his wheelchair because he gets tired and he gets achy and things like that uh it it looked pretty convincing to me i mean like i said he'd been there for months in a wheelchair and um His wife looked about as surprised as anybody else when it happened Um, on a slightly less dramatic tone. um, Just a personal one. Years ago, my wife, we were on our way back from London on the coach and she, she had like a really bad stomach and it was getting worse through the day. And and she sort of, she had her her head on my shoulder and she was trying to sleep and she was in a lot of pain. And I just thought, well, I'm, I'm just going to, pray for her you know it's not going to hurt apparently it can work sometimes and i didn't tell her i was just going to pray i just laid my my head back and after 30 seconds or so she jolted and she looked at me and she were you praying for me yeah she said it's just like this warmth went through my body and and it just stopped hurting just like that and she said i knew you were praying for me so amazing it seemed like a sort of very limited miracle
4: it's it's hard we have to define like what, what do we mean by a miracle? That that that's probably um
2: that's one of you know, those because, hard questions we're gonna to send to Andy.
4: Yeah, yeah because um you know generally I think most, most people would understand a miracle to be, you know, um anything in which um think we you know can't can't be explained by a, a naturalistic um you know exp- explanation. Um but that's always I mean that's why I think mir- miracles are really difficult to actually mm. demonstrate to uh, not to prove but to 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 um to 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 demonstrate because yeah you know, we don't even if you say that there's always there're there are always possible naturalistic explanations yeah. that we're not we're not aware of we don't know yet um yeah. um uh, sort of naturalism of the gap sort of thing but um it, 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 is, it is difficult what why it constitutes a miracle because I think Christians yeah. I, i'm not saying anything you said there craig was would not necessarily meet that standard but i think christians as a whole are very quick to call things miracles that are not yeah. miracles you know like oh i prayed uh because i lost my car keys uh and then i prayed and then i found them and that was <laughs> a miracle and, I, and I, I don't mean that to to, to dismiss like no no it might it might it might have been Mm. um but actually that's not that's not a miracle and i think there is a risk of sometimes of demeaning the Mm. uh the importance and power of a miracle by misusing by calling things
2: miracles that aren't being a bit being a bit quick to to ascribe miraculous power to something that like you said could just have a naturalistic explanation i mean i would i would um i would never use even if I believed that I'd sort of seen or or witnessed or experienced a miracle myself, unless it was absolutely sort of mind-blowingly, no possible naturalistic explanation, I would never use one in an apologetic sense or in a a sort of evangelistic attempt or or a gospel sharing conversation or anything like that. Um, Because I, I think that in and of themselves, you can't say that miracles are evidence of God. All you can say is something's happened and we don't know what has happened. I I think like with near-death experiences, I don't think that if you've got somebody who's skeptical or somebody who's an atheist or even somebody who's agnostic, near-death experiences and miracles, all they prove is there's something beyond what we understand at the moment. So yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, we we have to be really careful with using words like miracle.
1: But I think what they do do, and to use your story as an example, uh, Craig, Um, stories of miracles stories of signs and wonders they are intriguing so they're definitely intriguing for people who've got you know ears to hear um and so you can you can build on on that um so i think narratively they are compelling and um i think you know it's been on twitter today actually is one thing the protestant church has been bad at is redeeming the arts and and actually we've lost we've lost i think my uh, weird opinion at the moment i've been thinking of during lockdown is that protestant preaching needs a modernist revival in the same way that post first world war modernism as we know it in literature Happened, and Ezra Pound, like sort of the motto of modernism, Ezra Pound said, "Make it new." So take what's been done before and make it new. I I think my personal belief and opinion I respect, and I think we all should, is that um, preaching needs a modernist revival, and that's partly about recapturing narrative and storytelling. And I know some people would say, "Oh yeah, well, there's people that do that." I'm not convinced. I'm not terribly convinced that there's lots of people doing what that's claimed but um, probably in, in pockets. But yeah, so I think Signs of Wonders, Miracles, narratively, emotionally, again, quite compelling and intriguing. You can use that as a hook for people. Yeah. But if if you've got staunch materialists or rationalists, they're just, they're not even buying a ticket for that, let alone watching the show. No, not
0: mm-hmm. a chance. Have any of you read Craig Keener's two volume set on Miracles or engaged with it at all? Yes. It's, you have. I, yeah. I, I It's
4: massive. I've read some of it, but not not both both, both volumes. Uh, what, what do you think? They're you asking got, your you, thoughts. You, you, you've read it, so you 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 do it, Andy.
1: I would recommend it to a friend. I thought it was really good. I just like again. I like it. I like. In the same way that there was that book, I can't remember who, was Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit, that was written you know, a couple of decades ago now. Hmm. Uh, I like it when um, when academics, and Habermas does this as well. Habermas is my hero. I wish he was my dad. Um, <laughs> is he watching? Gary?
4: Anything? Oh, so. He's he one, one of the five time. people. He's one of the five people. <laughs> <years. laughs> yes. Gary, William Lane Craig. <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: Yeah. John Lennox. <laughs> Michael
1: O'Connor <laughs> yeah. and Alison McGrath. Um, and Just my friend, Pip. Just for you. are in good company, Pip. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I like it. I, um, I can't, it was a, last year I read it, but um, I like it when academics look at the charismatic, the arguments for the charismatic and, and have at least substantive evidence. I like that. I like, seeing a collation of um, of statistics in favour of charismatic gifts of the Spirit, because um, although I don't go to a New Frontiers church, again, I am I am that sort of New Frontiers, British charismatic, charismatic with a seatbelt on, you know, let's not go overboard, guys. God's just turned up. Can we all just calm down, please, because we need to be out of the venue by four, <laughs> that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not too much, Holy Spirit. On, <laughs> on, on, on that night, we... Um the next the next question unless there's another miracle well, um... well I was
4: just going to say that he he uh, like Andy said that the Keena book is is uh, is is awesome like it really does go into a lot of detail and, and provides a lot of support for uh for the miracle claims um uh, which is similar you know which is the same for you know is it modern miracles? is it modern sorry is it modern miracles? yeah is it modern miracle? yeah, yeah it goes it's, it's, is it it's modern, like um, okay. really really well documented it's it's a really it's a really awesome book
1: it looks um, at how one of the things they look at how last of the summer wine kept getting recommissioned, and that, that's like the <laughs> op- opens with that
0: modern, <laughs> modern miracles. <laughs> 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 so, so, anyway, so uh, it's Andy's birthday soon. So, uh, Ronald D. Potts, thanks for commenting. Um, we're trying out Periscope for the first time, so we've got some Twitter interaction. If you want academic and charismatic look into. The Charismatic Theology of St. Luke and Acts. Is anyone engaged with that? I haven't. Um,
5: no, I've spoke to Ron on, on Twitter and he's mentioned that book before. Got
0: one for so the reading Sounds good. No, yeah. No. Good well, on, on that note, here's, here's another question then. I think we're probably all on the same page, given our last few questions. So this might be quite a short uh, answer to, uh, on here. Dean, you're on the screen. What are your thoughts? You're up. <laughs>
5: on continuationism yeah it? Is it? I, I don't even know what that means that
2: much you know. so, so yeah, i'm probably the worst you, person to oh, ask on this. do you don't believe worry. that the age of miracles has ended cessationism. Oh, no, no, no. cessationism is just the belief that like the gifts of the holy spirit were just for the early church there's no speaking um, terms, there's no healings anything like that
5: no no i definitely believe and um miracles are still going on but like dan and um everyone here basically so far i'm quiet like British gets quite sceptical of mm. miracles unless it's, I haven't personally experienced a miracle. I've had religious experiences, but mm. yeah, I would be continuing is I do believe in miracles, but not like popping up all over the place.
0: like kind of thing. But yeah,
5: definitely still can happen.
0: I'm sure. yeah, I, th- I think, I think we're pretty much all on the same page. I mean, I, I do struggle with cessationism with where they've drawn the line. It seems quite arbitrary on when things ceased and that then renders quite a lot of Paul's letters weird <laughs> they're, yeah. they're weird, weird things to suggest that we should seek things like prophecy um, And What type
5: of Christian denominations or groups would believe in that stopping like that um, In
0: my experience it's some forms of Baptists um, Reformed Baptist Presbyterians Reformed Presbyterians, Presbyterians. Okay Yes, there's a bit of a mix um, and I maybe potentially it's a response to the fact that that we don't seem to see that many mm. miracles or movements of the spirit um mm. yeah it's it means that anytime there's a a, a bunch of healings and revivals and they're, they're generally overly cynical and, and very much start um calling it cult-like and, and things like that at least that's my experience um yeah that, that, that's true, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> true. <laughs> That's, there's yeah. definitely fuel for it. Oh, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's
4: it's always unfortunate, you know. When you look at uh, any 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 of them, there's always some some things that are give you a bit of bit of caution, mm. uh, but oft, often lots of good stuff and stuff that you know we're still benefactors of. Um mm. So,
1: yeah. I, I think again, it goes back to what Dan was asking about: what is a miracle? A miracle. So, you know, if when I when, every time I go out on the street praying for people. Um, I will see, like, we will see stuff happen. We will see people that experience healing. We will see people experience heat and a tingly. Often people will say, I've never experienced anything like this before. Um, the fact that, you know, I'm part of a, you know, a, a, a reasonably large but quite obscure church in, in Derbyshire means that we don't give it loads of traction. We don't make a big song and dance about it. Um, so it doesn't become syndicated or you know sensationalized or tabloidy. I, I think that, I think the balance here that I'd want to strike is is that middle ground where actually the reason most people don't see stuff is because they don't go after it. Actually God is good and, 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 and wants to partner with you and wants to show up in situations. So um, the point of healing, is to point, is to point to Jesus, is to point mm. to the gospel. In the same way that the point of a preach is to point to Jesus. The point of a food bank, a Christian food bank is to point to Jesus. There's all these signposts and, and healing and, and, and stuff is 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 one of them. So actually a hundred percent of the people I don't pray for don't get healed. That that's that's something true. And <laughs> and quite a low number of people I would say um, have genuinely experienced genuinely experience the healing some of them have claimed it as a kind of placebo or Mm. you know psychosomatic thing there's always something left over though because actually god shows up god does show up he shows up in situations and sometimes that's in the form of of healing and and signs and wonders and gifts of the spirit um and sometimes it, it, it it's not i think we when we try and idolise and elevate healing as like the, you know, the saviour of of the church and, and declare that there's all these revivals. Well, there should be, you should be, you should be the revival. Your life should be the revival. You know, if you've got a word of knowledge for somebody, share it. If you want to, if you've got the faith to pray for somebody, pray. Otherwise, just make them a cake or do something. This idea of like mass revival, I think, turns into hysteria. But Ground, at ground level, there's loads of there's loads of stuff. Like, you come out with me if you're a cessationist. You won't be a cessationist by the time we finish. Not because of anything that I do, but just because God shows up when you show up. If you give Him the availability, He'll give you the ability.
5: Mm-hmm. And the
1: the finish
2: is just, treatable.
0: That's tweetable. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think you got this. Um, sorry, this was just. I just have yeah. to share this. There you go. You got your yes. online <laughs> name. <laughs> we were too, we were too British. Andy for that. Yeah. And it's because I said something priest. quite
1: American, and now like, yeah, come
5: on, yeah, yeah. yeah. On. <laughs> but it's myself. right, though. It's God, God's working through like all of our lives constantly. I don't see how the cessationists justify like the Holy Spirit work reviving us and our religious experiences, and it seems strange the way they view it. But yeah,
0: I think I think there's a to to defend a couple friends who are cessationists slightly. I, I wonder sometimes if it's a bit of semantics. Uh, I've recently seen uh, someone who would claim to be a cessationist say that they are um, making quite a significant change of um, career. I don't want to give too much away because there might be people (laughs) watching. Um, And um, the, the language used was very much that he's heard from God and God has spoken and that's the reason for his change and I I would say well that's a fairly big clue that things are continuing but the 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 language there is is less about um prophecy and words and things like that and the spiritual gifts um so this the spirit works but they probably wouldn't have a baptism of the holy spirit um Mm -hmm. it comes one and the same with your salvation and and things like that so there is a biblical grounding for it. Um, but it yeah, it's probably not as charismatic um in, in that way. Right. Um damn, you look like you were prepping for a an answer, or you're just getting comfy. I was just getting comfy, <laughs> mate. I'm just <laughs> getting comfy. Well, well we're at we're at one hour thirty and we haven't answered Santi's question um from Finding Truth. So let's come on, Santi. Let's let's do this. So why do you believe in the Trinity if it is not mentioned in the Bible? Can you provide a defense of it? Who's that? Well, up. lots of that's things are mentioned in the Bible. It's <laughs> I- not mentioned in the Bible, that's true. That's a good yeah. start.
1: I the yeah. fact my how handsome I am is not mentioned in
2: the Bible, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean the evidence. Go on, Craig. Give us a, give us something.
2: Okay. Um, well, where, where do you start? The Bible is extraordinarily clear that there is one and only God. There is only one God. It says it all over the Old and New Testament. And yet, at the same time, it is abundantly clear in the New Testament that the Father is God, Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Um, Jesus is called God and doesn't to his face and doesn't refute it or tell them not to call him God. He uses the divine name of himself. He forgives sins. Um, In the book of Hebrews, we're back to Hebrews again, we have the Father using a passage from Psalm 101, I think it is, which is clearly about God, but he applies it to the Son. In Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit is called God. All through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit says and does things that only God can do or would say. And it's blatantly obvious that the Father is God. Nobody would argue against that. Even Unitarians accept that one. So, yeah, there are clear and blatant evidences and references to both the Holy Spirit and the Son being God. And yet, at the same time, there is only one God. And the only logical conclusion is that the Trinity is an accurate depiction of the nature of God. In a nutshell. Boom. Brilliant. Thank you.
0: Well, there you go Santi let us know if that answers the question succinctly enough. Um so go on Dan. Well I was going to say so obviously you, you
4: say that you, you like Craig, you speak to Jehovah's Witnesses quite a mm-hmm. lot um which is evident from uh from your um your your answer there. So what what you know a JW will raise certain um responses to that. What what are some of the questions you get responses you get from JWs? And how how would you respond?
2: Um, one thing that they'll do quite regularly is they'll they'll point to the passages where Jesus is referred to as a man, or he refers to himself as a man, or he says my God and your God when talking about the Father. But what they kind of tend to do is they'll compartmentalise the New Testament and they'll take a verse or a passage and then they'll sort of ignore the other bits around it. But what you kind of say to them is, well, I I will take the whole uh, the whole New Testament and the whole Old Testament. Um, so, John one one. I mean, there there is absolutely no point in raising John one one with the Jehovah's Witness. They just they they shut down on you. They've heard it so many times. But then, they have trouble answering things like, well, in Colossians chapter one, it says that Jesus created all things, and in Isaiah forty four and Jeremiah twenty uh, twenty seven five, and Nehemiah nine six and Isaiah forty two something and goodness knows how many other passages, God said, I created everything by myself. And then Colossians 1 and Book of Hebrews and John chapter 1, it says Jesus created everything. So either either Jesus is lying or the New Testament is lying or God is lying or Jesus is God.
5: I watched them on the... Santi, who raised this question, I was in the Fred, he was actually arguing with a Jehovah's Witness, and then some Unitarians jumped in mm. as well. And that collosions um part, Craig, mm. they actually added they said no, the word other is other. missing. Yeah. And then and then we had, and then Santi copied in like his friends who actually study Hebrew and Greek mm. and like the languages, and they said no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's
2: and the word, then they the went, word No, the Bible's there in, yeah. wrong. The word isn't there in Greek, and they've kind of shot themselves in the foot because the the um, Jehovah's Witnesses on their website, they've got, they've got like an interlinear. So they've got the whole Bible and they've got the Hebrew and the Greek sort of, you know, if, I don't know if you've ever seen an interlinear Bible. So they'll give the Hebrew and the Greek and then they'll give the English translation underneath. And you can show them in their own interlinear Bible. You can say, look, Colossians 1, the, the Greek word alos for other, it's, it's not there. It's not yeah. there in Colossians 1 and you've added it in. Well,
4: they wouldn't accept that still. Even they they wouldn't it, it
2: now. But well, it used to
4: be in brackets. They used to have it in brackets in the older yeah. versions. Whereas yeah. now they don't even have it in brackets. It's, it's, it's just it. it's just it's just in the the latest version. It's just there.
0: Yeah. Well. Have you ever, just out of curiosity, have you ever used um, Revelation one in, in in those conversations? Is just having studied Revelation recently.
2: This sort of um, the Alpha and Omega.
0: Yeah, Alpha Omega, the, the language and Richard Borkum points out how Trinitarian the language is. Mm. And you've got the um the Holy Spirit in Revelation one. Mm. Um obviously it's symbolic, but it doesn't seem to come up in too many conversations when discussing Trinity. But once you start looking at how mm. Jesus is described as yeah. the ancient of days, pretty much, yeah, from Daniel well, nine. From Daniel.
2: Daniel, yeah. Um so that, I, which, is I, I, what he, which is what um, Jesus calls himself in Mark 15 as well, isn't it? He says, yeah. well, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, at which point the Pharisees all start screaming blasphemy. And you, and you kind of say, well, why yeah. were they screaming blasphemy if he wasn't calling himself God? Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off there.
0: No, no, no. That's, that's exactly it. There's this, these connections that don't seem to be made, and, and that would be my... Um, so I I interact more with with Muslims rather than JWs, but they they seem to make similar arguments when it comes to the Trinity. Mm. Um, But I guess, I don't don't know how much JWs have this, but at least with with Muslims, they they have a set argument against the Trinity in their Mm. everyday prayers. So it's sort of routinely, despite the fact that it's what they pray against isn't, actually the orthodox view of trinity is three of yeah. a kind rather than three uh three persons in one yeah. one being um which which is then hard to unpick a little bit um i, I that was a really succinct uh, answer on the trinity and i think just a reminder that it's an explanation for what we see through the bible yeah. rather than going oh i've got trinity how can i then find it um,
2: so it's just the only explanation that makes sense if you look at all the different passages you know
4: yeah you it's also it. the old testament as well because mm. uh, i think a common criticism isn't it that that um that trinitarianism just sort of pops out of nowhere from 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 the new testament so mm. before that uh, you know strict sort of monotheism monotheism but you know there there are you know there are threads throughout the old testament you know it's sodom and gomorrah and you've got God above and God below fire right, um yeah. that you've got um mm. you know theophanies and stuff throughout you know the the angel of the Lord you know speaking yeah. to yeah. Abraham and Sarah um you know so even within you know the the Jewish tradition there is monotheism is is there's a uh, it, there's a surf surface level um monism uh, mm. but actually uh, you dig deeper in sort of um you know Jewish tradition there is yeah, some interesting sort of uh, Jewish Jewish thought on on the nature of God. Um,
0: so this question just came up on the nature of God. Um, I, I think that is true that there are some parts of the Quran that seem to confuse that Mary is part yeah. of the Trinity. That is, yeah, uh, it's a bit of an odd
4: one. On no, you're not. You're not making that up, Callum. It is um, <laughs> they completely misunderstand what the Trinity is, yeah. um, and, and that that's just utterly self-evident uh from the nature you know there had certain arab uh christian you know christian tribes and stuff at the time that that would that were purporting these sorts of beliefs and stuff so that's where they got it from um, mm-hmm. not from uh, a, a kind of orthodox understanding that you read that um you know going back to sort of tatalian and things like that so yeah you're not you're not making it up it's it's in there I, I don't know the the, the the surah and, you know, uh, you know, of, of, uh, which word that is. Yeah. Yeah. Surah oh. five. I don't know. I might, I might be making it up. I oh, you know? oh. though. Yeah. Yeah. I said, was surah five, Ayah
1: 117. <laughs> <laughs> I, 117 <don't, laughs> This guy's like yeah. rain man of theology.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not just Christian theology either. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 And, uh, he does that. He does a magic show where he he hands out copies of the Upanishads, and he'll say, "Like, right, pick pick a page, and I'll tell you what words on line." <laughs> um,
4: yeah, there's stuff as well. Like, yeah, so they they quote, you know, there's stuff about Jesus, um, you know, creating a bird, you know, and it flying away. You know, it's stuff from Gnostic Go- Gospel of Thomas, and yeah, there's 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 all sort of Gnostic writers. Anne, have you read um uh, Tom Holland's
5: book? Uh, the the one on is the origins of Islam. It was like Persia,
4: fire, something. Uh, I haven't read that yet. It's on my list. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's not Persian fire. It's the Shadow of the Sword. Shadow of the Sword, sorry. No, yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't read through it, but um, uh, I have a, a sort of loose understanding of some of the things he says. I watched about... his um, speech
5: on YouTube, like a conference he was doing just before that, and he was just basically what you said. He said um, that Arabs. He doesn't believe Mecca is actually where it is now. So he's got quite a controversial take. It was closer to, instead of being Saudi Arabia, it was on the edges of Palestine because a lot of the heretics, like the Gnostics, were pushed away from them, and then they become tribesmen. So Mohammed would have picked up all the Gnostic sort of understandings from, like, basically the desert, people like that. That's what Tom Holland's view on it.
1: There's one in... um, There's a Mecca in Mansfield as well. They, there's a, it's a bingo hall. There's one there. <laughs> but I don't know if that's the original. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
0: just, just a shout out if anyone's interested about the Gospel of Thomas, which uh, Islam pulls a, a lot from, um, f- go to Finding Truth, subscribe, and, and check him out. I'm uh, leaving now. I'm actually going to leave and go and join that. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: uh, tomorrow, hey, guys, you'll See be you a later. bit. Of- hey. should be one of the ones waiting (laughs) can i I
1: offer a a non a sort of non-academic sort of slightly colloquial thing i just in terms of the trinity like i don't it's what it's one of the most difficult questions to answer for somebody who's new to faith or or interested in christianity because it's it's an in-house question actually it's not you don't need to you don't need to deal with it straight away, mm. and actually, I, I I think it's one of the areas where we have the least convincing defenses because it is just an intimation of what we of what we're finding there. But I, what I do think is interesting again is that it is it adds credence to that gospel claim that you can have a relationship with God because God is already in relationship. So the Trinity is a relationship. It, it is a community. And you are then offered a part of that community. So God isn't just this distant loner, self-interested and whatever whatever you want to say. God is already in that dynamic relationship before humanity is even created. And we get offered into that. So, again, I think that makes relational and emotional sense. Mm. But uh, I try... I. Who is Andy Kind? <laughs> I'll meet you by the Mecca Bingo. I'll tell you who <laughs> I am, mate. What do you Mecca's program? not what
2: you think it is, though. <laughs> uh, uh, Eight-bit eight uh,
1: eight bit games from the 1980s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and yeah. I think, are you talking about me? Um, I don't Who's know. Who's the guy above London, I, I've, on, I've <laughs> run the channel. Andy Kind. Pro- program, what are you on? <laughs> <laughs> Check out Andy Kind on, on the Critical Witness. You can learn all about him and his Promedian Antic Who is anti- Andy Kind? Antics. <laughs> He's not offended. Um, awesome. I'm kind of running low on, on questions that I, I think will. I think that was the uh, top question from, from Santi with four votes. We've got a couple, uh, just some smaller ones. How much of a role model for evangelism is Jordan Peterson, London Theist? You can talk. <laughs>
5: Yeah, well, he helped me become a Christian. so <laughs>
0: That's was, why you're
3: here.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I've discussed this before, I think, with you guys and yeah. on other shows. And he's it, helped like quite a lot of people, I've found out now as well. It was just the biblical series and, and everything about that. It just showed me that the Bible isn't just like myth, as I would think when I was an agnostic or like, there's There's deep levels to it, even just on a psychological level. And he was going into, like, details about Cain and Abel, how it's only a few
0: few lines. Is something echoing? Maybe we can mute again. It sometimes resets itself. Your voice
1: is in Trinity.
0: Yeah.
5: (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he he just went, yeah, and it just really opened it up to me, Jordan Peterson. He was a big inspiration at the time when I needed quite a bit of searching for meaning in my life. And he really helped quite a lot of young people. And I, I, I really, I liked his book of, mostly followed him on youtube and he i think he's done a good job of pointing people towards meaning and he gets you almost to christianity without the like supernatural level with but then you're so close to that next step and then it all just makes sense and you start praying and what well, i did anyway so he, he's definitely doing a great job i think without being a full-on christian like an evangelist yeah. is he? So, i think
0: there's a fair point it, and i guess there's a question for all of us is um is there anything that you would take from his approach i mean my my only failing is in that is that i'm not a clinical psychologist but in that regard so i'd (laughs) be able to do his lectures Um, can i just
4: say something right i did. i did guess but look at this right surah 5 116 that already. surah 5 116 and behold Allah will say "O Jesus the son of Mary didst thou uh, say unto men take me and my mother for two gods beside Allah and he will say glory to thee never could I say what I had no right to say had I said such a thing thou wouldst Indeed, have known it now. I don't know why I'm reading the Quran in King James English, but this I'm is what came up. It, yeah. but, but but essentially, yeah, um, I was I was right.
1: This is so that was like, do that again. That was like an episode of Handmaid's Tale. That was actually yeah kind of, the way you were talking then.
4: Thou. yeah, I don't know why. I mean, why would you translate the Quran into King James English? I have no idea.
0: Because that's the only holy text in English. It's a very, very, neat English, market, isn't it? a very, very niche market. Very niche
2: market. It's good enough for me, you know.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Got yeah. God, God spoke in King James
4: English. Like, we can we can go like, back to Jordan Peterson now. I apologise. Oh, I just I just I just
0: wrote it. It's a small question, anyway. I, I I think Jordan Peterson's been discussed when we we talked with uh, Dean, so I recommend checking out his stream. Uh, otherwise, we we'll end up just with uh, regurgitating uh, conversation. It, He's got a lot to say about uh, good stuff, Jordan Peterson, but I don't know. I'm not sure if he's got an evangelistic approach. I'm not quite sure how to take that question. Um, I think we're pretty much there. The, the last one is kind of about story, um, although we've, we've got one more question. literally just came in. Uh, should we do one more question? Yeah. Yeah, go on. Do? Nothing um, else to do.
4: It's true. Yeah, yeah he's got a takeaway to in. I might go <laughs> the <don> kebab. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Go on and so okay, so it is one. Um we'll do two. There's, there's there's two more. I'm sure you are all Lord of the Rings fans. Is that true? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. fan yeah, probably a bit strong, but I enjoy a good Lord of the Rings movies as much as anyone else. How useful for it is how useful is it as a metaphor for the Christian message? Have you ever think, tried taking a mate to a Lord of the Rings movie to convert them?
2: To- see, I, have, I don't, I don't oh,
0: think they'll go well. You know. <laughs> go. on, Craig, you've got an opinion on it. Go on.
2: Well, I, I don't I don't see it as clearly in Lord of the Rings as I see it in, in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um now in my defense, I read the I read the books when I was about 10 and that's quite a long time ago. So I'm just relying on my memory of the films now. But although I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's glimmers of like hope and companionship and, and sort of, you know, the ring. Um, I've, I've got zoom brain now.
0: No, that's all right. I've just distracted you with the programmer's comments. So I'm sorry about that. the
2: the, the world dominating all that sort of thing there are there are strands in there that you can go well that's like the gospel and that's like the bible and that's like jesus and that but you could do that with a lot of films Mm -hmm. not specific obviously tolkien was a christian and you know friends with lewis and and everything like that and he originally wrote it as his own sort of version of like the chronicles of narnia pointing to jesus pointing to the bible but i think there are so many other films you could do that with so i don't think the film versions really sort of stand out as a a representation of the gospel, anyway, anywhere, anywhere near. You know, you you look at like the obvious, the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe. You've got the Lion, and he says things, and you think that's pretty much straight out of Jesus. Max, he
3: resurrects Yeah,
2: He dies <laughs> for Edward, who deserved to die, and you, he you dies know, for that us, sort of it? thing. You know,
4: yeah. not very subtle, is it?
2: <laughs> do, oh, do you, know, you know, know, it's a good really one. Subtle, I mean.
5: Do you guys know um Sentinel Apologetics? No, he does everything. a lot. Of, he does a lot of work with um, Heiser in America, and he done the, the the Matrix series. He done a whole blog about how Christian the Matrix actually is. Mm. And you can't. I haven't. I've watched the Matrix since after reading that, and you just can't get the Christian sort of imagery out of your head. It's it's worth a read if you ever get a chance. it's mm. it's, it's, it's so Christian. It's unreal. The uh, Matrix, the uh, symbolism for it, and this whole storyline.
0: Yeah, and no, I've definitely caught some of that from um Matrix a while back, but are are there like um a series of books that are like um Christian message in different films? I'm sure there's there's a bunch of them as well. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm thinking overthinking things. Oh, there is, yeah. Um, there's a dog. Yeah, my dog's well, decided. Big to dog. <laughs> he's, he's been hiding. Uh, It's that one
1: from Harry Potter. It's the um, it's the it's the Grim.
0: It's It's actually a wizard.
1: Yeah, it's the one (laughs) who escaped Azkaban. We're live.
0: Uh, He wants to be let out. I'll better let him out. Someone else can do the talking. Go on, Andy. uh,
1: uh, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. uh, So, um. How Movies Saved My Soul is a really good book about um, that. And in that, um, I can't remember what his name is. It's Gareth something. Gareth Higgins, maybe. And he says in this book, um, his argument would be, and my argument would be, uh, an argument I respect and think we all should, is that the reason that you you can... Find gospel imagery in so many stories is because there is only one meta narrative in the universe, and that is God's redemption of the race of creatures He made a little lower than the angels. And so, and that's a quote from Gareth Gareth Higgins's book. And so, like I've got a whole series of blogs and some on my YouTube channel at Andy Kind Comedy where I actually look at the the gospel um, messages in Drive with Ryan Gosling, The Shining. Like the shining is like full of like stuff that you can use to point to the gospel. No country for old men, unbelievably linked to the gospel. So um, mm. but it's because in the beginning was the word. So God's story was wired into the universe. That's and it's that's where everything started. So there's an argument to be made that every other story, inadvertently or not, is trying to grasp towards that that thing wired. Right into the centre of the cosmos. That would be what we would say, and it's most evident in, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's most transparent in Lord of the Rings and Narnia. But actually, it's there in in loads of stuff. Not Time Cop, though. I've watched Time Cop fifty times looking for it, and you won't find it.
4: It's not there. <laughs> didn't didn't C.S. Lewis talk a lot about this? About about um, you know, that all all fiction, all stories point to a the. I'm sure I. I'm yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he did say something like that. He well, did. Yeah. It was one myth
0: that's actually true.
4: Yeah, the yeah, true yeah. myth. Because yeah. I I'm like the worst person. I, I don't get any of this. Like I'm I, I could never watch a movie with a friend and try and identify like I, I can't I don't read fiction because my brain I, I don't have a brain that uh well just take that you could cut that can you I don't have a brain <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, a brain.
0: Uh, I, think, I think I might that's the, the, yeah,
4: the I don't story. have a brain that enjoys fiction or I've like narrative and years. story yeah
2: you need you need to read terry pratchett books no you? i
4: do not honestly yes, I've, i i've tried I, I i god has made me in such a way that i don't enjoy <laughs> narrative i don't enjoy it. i force myself once a year to read a fiction book i have to force myself why would you waste waste is wasting 10 to 20 hours reading a novel because when you can can just watch a dvd in like two
0: (laughs) because you because you actually get the quotes and you can sound really clever
4: i've got a terrible memory and i'd never remember them yeah fair enough
0: i can't help you there um is another question would you judge one gospel as a better historical source. For example, I think Luke is a better historian than the other evangelists. I hope that's not blasphemous. I, it is blasphemous. It is, yeah, sorry, burn the heretic. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: in, well, in, Luke, in, Luke, Luke writes as a better historian.
0: Yeah, it's,
4: it's not. Not, it's not to say identified
2: as a historian, isn't he? So I know he's a doctor, but like he he gives he gives a lot more sort of geographical data he gives a lot more social data he gives a lot more information about about roles and places and positions and society and things like that just because of kind of the way that he was wired so if you're looking for a historical book luke, luke would be it but but i think at the same time you you'd be mistaken in in treating it like a well no mm. you wouldn't be mistaken in treating it like a historical book because okay you know when you put it on YouTube, can you cut that bit out? <laughs> it's already on YouTube, it's live. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it. yeah, Mark I mean, was the better, a better historian because I mean Mark is quite patchy and Matthew is thematically grouped and John is is a lot more kind of poetic. That's
0: theological in the yeah. base
2: written. So Theolog- mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Um some imp- important questions have just come up. So German Shepherd, done. <laughs> um, Dan's off. Dan, Dan, Dan's got bored. It um, <laughs> <laughs> just left the room. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's got to get more food. Um, I've lost all train of thought.
2: <laughs> I'm <laughs> getting Zoom, Brady.
4: You should fire questions at Phil. <laughs> ask, him, ask Phil questions. About help.
2: But
0: I can do that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to his YouTube channel, he talks about it for hours. Hey, well, yeah. hours. Too long, yeah. That's why I did this channel. Good, I, don't, I don't want to say it. it's good stuff.
1: Can I, I ask pre- you a, a that, question? Can I ask a question if it's not too much hassle?
0: You have to go to Pug Pigeonhole. <laughs> no, yeah. um,
1: what for you guys, what would you say is the the most convincing standalone? So outside of a cumulative case, the most on on its own most convincing argument for Christian theism, Christian theism. Yes. Yeah, so, so for instance, I think uh, personally the, the best argument for theism is the fine tuning argument. I think that's a very very strong argument for uh, non atheism for the- theism of some kind or at least a deism. Whereas uh, I find the um, I find the moral argument and always have found it incredibly compelling for Christian theism and actually just don't understand when people don't get it. But actually, it's the one that most pe- people don't get the most. But I find it that I find it the most convincing and, and I will uh, I will fight. I will fight them.
2: <laughs> I don't I I think I think the I think the moral argument is is kind of middle of the road. I mean it it definitely provides a case for I don't
1: think you're doing this to me a week before my birthday
2: for theism <laughs> of, of a sort. But I don't think specifically Christian theism. Um I think specifically Christian, I, I think the historical case for the resurrection would be yeah would be my go-to. Um as as far as the weakest and I, I may get shouted at in fact I, I probably won't get shouted at here I get shouted at in a in a more philosophical one but the one that I can't wrap my head around the the applicability or usefulness of is the ontological argument.
4: Hmm. Oh, no, I atta- almost I mock that
2: every week. special <laughs> pleading to me. It's like, we're going to define the maximally great being as God, and therefore he must exist. And, and I get on a logical, the way it's laid out logically, obviously, is a logically compelling argument. But then the definition of a maximally great being Is in a there's an element of subjectivity to it that I can't get away from. It's like maximally great and well. Well, he's the greatest in every possible way. Well, if you ask two people what the greatest being is, there's going to be an element of disagreement. It's like, well, why does he have to be perfectly good? Why can't he be perfectly wrathful? Hmm. Why can't he be perfectly vengeful? What do you know what I mean? It's like they're almost mm. trying to crowbar the biblical understanding of God into this maximally great being thing and then say, by definition, he must exist.
0: Mm. Well, isn't um, that the evil God challenge to some extent um, from Stephen Law? He's just Stephen flipping Law. That. Yeah. Oh, um, he's put out a challenge, and Cosmic Skeptic has recently put out a video of the challenge as well. Right. And it's been, I, did
2: I didn't know what, what it was. So there you go, um, It's
0: basically, basically the idea that... Um, Oh, it's gone it's basically flipping the idea of um mm. a perfect maximally max- evil being sort of maximally evil being so you basically just um joined stephen law in uh, in that argument um, in a short video on that inspiring philosophy
5: does a like a 10 minute comeback on why that can't be that I've, i watched it a few months back but it, it, it was good so if you're interested in yeah that, there's, there's some
0: interesting arguments against it and i think uh, max baker Hitch is actually meeting it on a academic paper as well, so um, there are people dealing with it. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not a big the ontological and and that kind of argument generally doesn't thrill me. But my yeah, and answer your question, Andy. My go-to would be the resurrection. Uh, I think that's a fairly, probably a fairly standard response. I don't, I I don't find the I like the fine-tuning argument. I, I quite like the moral argument, but I don't find they get you to jesus or Hmm. trinity or or the the christian concept of theism there might be a doorway to getting over the barrier of um does god exist but you've then got an extra hurdle of why why the bible why jesus and and all that so that'd, that'd be my response anything different dan
4: uh no i mean for 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 specifically getting you to Christian theism, I think yeah, the res- resurrection has always been something that, that that has persuaded me and sustained me because um I I can't I can't in all honesty believe an alternative. Uh, I think all the alternative explanations are, are, are problematic, even though it's incredibly odd to uh to um you know consider the a resurre- a resurrection um as as um uh, as as being as being the case, um, but but I'm I'm persuaded that it is in terms of sort of general arguments of theism. I think kind of uh, sort of, I, I like what Emmanuel Kant can't said. Uh, he said there's there's tw- two things that awe me most: the, the the starry skies above me and the moral law within me. And I think there are two things that have always um, have uh, been significant to me. I think the 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 origins of the universe, um, you know, I think is. It, points to some sort of um, originator uh, and 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 the fact that we um, experience morality objectively I think is is would be odd on naturalism like it's it, it is the case uh, and it makes better sense on theism than it does on on, on naturalism so I think that those those two things um, you know I think uh, I, I find most most persuasive.
0: Well, you've got a fan.
4: So, which is he's only becoming. So it's kind of, it kind of sounds like <laughs> he, he didn't, well, didn't like me before, but his initial thing was, oh, I don't really like him, yeah. but he's winning but, me
0: over. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'll take that and the opposite. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> the, the, is good. is Dan good challenge. Um, cool. Sorry, was someone else going to say it?
5: You didn't say the um, contingency really anyone but I, I think the contingency arguments are quite strong uh, for, for on a philosophy level like the Kalam things like that but again it doesn't get you to the Christian God but it gets you to near enough like a all-powerful being who's um, yeah so it'd get you pretty much to the attributes of the God of the Bible without Jesus but the resurrection again I would say I think consciousness is one which you I could talk to my, I, I think I mentioned to Phil and Dan last time I was on. Mm-hmm. I think it's what you could talk to like friends at work or atheists and say, isn't it incredible like you, how consciousness arrived out of like non-conscious beings and it, it, everyone knows that's quite a hard problem on the naturalistic side of the, um, consciousness. So it's a conversation starter and it's yeah. a mm-hmm. towards towards theism
3: the thing the
4: thing about the philosophical arguments is they're they're really interesting but i don't think i've actually bothered to read anything for like five six years about them because uh not because they're not interesting but because whenever i've ever had a conversation with anyone they've never come up since i was like you uni- like, since i was at university or if i went to like a, a an unbelievable monthly event or something like that then that would be the time that, that they would come up but i if I'm honest since it's they've never had any actual value in a conversation with someone never ever cover come up, come up. Uh, they're, not,
2: they're not evangelistic tools are they they they're sort no. of the echo chamber kind of you know twitter is very big for them and and you get everybody arguing about them and and I think it's they're really handy things to kind of have in your toolkit and just have a, a sort of basic idea of them and I think they can be useful but like you're not going to sit down with your friend in Starbucks and start talking about planting as modal expression of the ontological argument. You're going to talk about well what what do what do you believe happens you know when you die? or I think was was it when Glenn Scrivener was on your channel or did I see him on something else where he said he'd been at an event and they'd been an evangelist speaking and they'd been you know they'd been fantastic and they'd really sort of put forward a really compelling case for the gospel and, and everything like that. And he was sitting next to a guy at the back, and and he said to the guy, what did you make of all that? And the guy said, well, I I don't really know about any of that, but my grandfather died recently, and I've just got all these questions. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I think if you sort of start trying to wheel out the contingency argument then, or the ontological argument then, you're going to completely lose them, and they're not questions that people want answered. Mm Mm-hmm unless they're feeling particularly difficult or they're fans of, you know, relay theology or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I <laughs> think that's a really important point though, is that those philosophical conversations can't necessarily go anywhere <laughs> other than around in circles. And you, someone can find the Callum cosmological argument convincing, but someone else doesn't. Uh, and you can then argue about these premises all day long as certain apologetic sites are, are doing currently. And though they are interesting and they have some interesting back and forth between Christians and atheists, it doesn't really get you. I <laughs> went from an evangelistic perspective and maybe in some ways it's good for gaining friends who enjoy that back and forth, uh, at that level so may, maybe there's within at least philosophical circles it shows that you are intellectually engaged and 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 looking at that but i think if we try and make that our consistent apologetic we end up making apologetics and evangelism as a as this sort of intellectual uh, or jousting is the word that we've used on this channel uh, dan's used that quite a lot this kind of back and forth but we don't actually get to Jesus. We don't actually get to the resurrection. We just end up talking about what well, does the world have a beginning and what does that mean for a deity maybe. Um, so I, I think there is a, a danger if we make that our our main aim to discuss at a philosophical level. Um,
5: I think it can build confidence when you know um, like philosophers like William Lane Craig, when, when I first become a Christian and I, Heard of Craig and Moreland and Ed Faser and uh, all them guys have a mass, and I realised there's really, really smart people who are mm-hmm. Christians because when you're raised in England, as we, well, we all are in, in the UK, and from a secular background, you just you sort of dismiss Christianity. Well, I did anyway, as like a myth and like yeah, that's for old people. That's a different old generation. Nobody takes it seriously anymore. And then it's just like to get into the uh, philosophical arguments and see there's good groundings for your faith, intellectually as well as spiritually. It's just, it's quite comforting, as you say. Mm. But yeah, not to just talk to random people about the ontological argument, of course.
4: (laughs) If you had the ontological argument, let me tell you about that. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, it it is, because I I mean, um, like I I, I found, you know, under, you know, uh, finding out that christianity was 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 reasonable and could be could be a rational case could be made for it was absolutely instrumental uh Mm -hmm. in 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 me becoming a christian because my like you my my general assumption was that um you know christians check their brains in at the door like it actually it was literally there was you couldn't be you know have common sense and 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 you know be a, an intelligent person but also be a christian like they were just in they were literally incompatible and so as i've uh, talked about before like when i went to the lot my local library and found um the case for faith by lee strobel it that, that i know we're talking about I, I should, I'm, I'm not calling it a miracle but it's it's almost miraculous in the sense i said that's better than most books you get in a christian bookshop let alone like your local library in stains Um, so uh and that led me i was like oh you know i'm reading gary habermas william lane craig you know um i can't remember it's been a while i haven't read it for probably 15 years but um but it pointed me to to christians who made a rational case for 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 faith for 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 belief in god and 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 christianity Uh, and so it is so important i think that the frustration i have is it's not a frustration i mean i'm just not interested in the same way i don't enjoy reading fiction I I find I force myself to read like philosophy of religion and and things like that because I I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy th- thinking of God in that in in that way. Um and um even though I know it's important and I think that's what I just I have like little or no interest in listening to people debate those those sorts of arguments. Uh, it just doesn't I don't I don't find it interesting. or or, or satisfying, I'd much rather I don't know you know, I don't know, more sort of existential things or talk about the history of Christianity
0: and Yeah, engage on that level
1: I think what it does do though, just quickly is that, because I I totally agree, you know, I became a Christian and and then got into C.S. Lewis and William Lane Craig and I think for where I'm at now as a sort of performance apologist but there's also somebody who is out on the street sharing the gospel and engaging in some low-level charismatic wackiness in a British sense, of course. Actually, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that if I didn't feel that there was a rational basis for what mm. I was doing. So the fact that I know these arguments, engage with these arguments, have read about these arguments and, and trust that there's very clever Christians defending them very well, means that when I feel like I've got a word of knowledge, I don't just instantly think I'm insane or when I pray for someone and they and I and they experience heat and they say I've never seen it before, I don't just think that that's wacky pie in the sky. It's still maybe, but at least I have that foundation of, okay, well, I've done my research and and now I'm on the battlefield. So yeah, it's um, it's it's part of it's part of the boot camp rather than mm. the the war. Yeah. I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, Aaron, as as Santis just uh, said. Yeah, it has been over two hours. Um, we we have a, still got a couple of questions coming in, but I, th- I think uh, I'm starting to get Zoom brain. I don't know about you guys, but um, I thought That's this because we're not on Zoom. Well, Streamyard brain, it doesn't quite have the same <laughs> uh, have the same ring to it. Does it? It's um, got terrible Streamyard brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just yeah, got it's written on his face. <laughs> <laughs> here, here you go. Who wants to give some advice then? My, mine's Short, really. Go to church.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and don't and don't actually go looking for one. Yeah, there's there's don't force it. It's like just get be normal. Get on <laughs> the the most important thing. I mean, this is advice for, for men and women as well. And the most important thing I think is to work on your, your relationship with Jesus first and and carry on with your life. And I mean I certainly wasn't looking for a relationship when I met my wife. Um I was helping out on a youth weekend and she was helping out on a youth weekend with her church. And you know, I, I'd only been saved for like a year and I didn't have the faintest idea what I was doing. Um and then I managed to get her to marry me before she really knew what I was like. <laughs> that but um yeah, don't don't go looking for and obviously like Phil said, go to church, work in a relationship with Jesus, serve, and and, and here's the unpopular bit. There's lots of kind of advice about god's got the right man for you god's got the right woman for you you know god's got the perfect one for you, you just gotta wait you might not
3: mm-hmm.
2: sorry keeping light and everything but uh, you, is- might, you might reach a stage where you think well i've got to go one of two ways i i can either accept that i'm gonna be single possibly for a long time possibly for the rest of my life or i can marry a non-christian and I think you're opening up a can of worms there that you really don't want to open. Mm. But also, I mean that's you. you're very true. Happily married, but... mm. Sorry, Andy.
1: No, well, so I'm sorry, because I, I interrupted you, but I wanted to.
2: Um, <laughs> that's quite all right. I'm glad you did. Um,
1: have uh, <laughs> that's it's true, and like, work on your relationship with Jesus and um, don't have any expect you, you know, you don't deserve a spouse. But equally, if you are a a, a a bloke, if you are a Christian man in this country,
3: mm.
1: you, you are it's four to one in your favor. So, you know, if if Christian people only marry Christian people, then only 25 percent of Christian women in the UK are going to find a husband. Whereas, you know, you could have uh, you could go a little bit more and you could have four wives. <laughs> We're not, we're not recommending <laughs> oh, yeah, <I> recommend it. We're not Mormons. I am recommending
0: it. It's not the kind well, of Christianity no, that we're promoting so. here, Andy.
4: <laughs> the, thing, the, 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 the thing about the, the, the question is always interesting because it's really, I find it fascinating because I, I had the same thought. When I became a Christian, My, um, I had no, all I'd seen growing up, Broken marriages, broken relationship, multiple marriages, and so my assumption was like, as a Christian, like you're just meant to get married and and life's all all, all, all works out, and um, and it's weird how often Christians have this assumption. It's like Christians they have to have to get married, uh, and it and it really exposes this sort of idol of of especially evangelical Christianity is that you know um, you can't there's there's something. Um, insufficient about being a single Christian compared to oh well they're married so they've they've got things to, to together or um, which is absolutely not not true you know if you look back at throughout throughout church history you know you see throughout um, that that most of the people that we we respected um, you know in, in in terms of you know theological knowledge and influence on the church were single were single people. Uh, and 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 we're abs- absolutely uh, there's there's no requirement to get to get married um, or as I I I have a real bee in my bonnet about this so I'm not going to get too much into it but I think we we do there's an expectation that that um, that that real Christians get married or and that's just absolute nonsense is that there is that um, you know if we we look at Paul who wrote majority of the New Testament a single a single man like he god that that was ordained god ordained that life for him that he was serving god in that capacity without being without being married um and there are you know there are so many benefits uh you know in terms of your ability time capacity to to serve god in a way uh as a single person that you can't as a, as, as a, oh, you're putting the question up, aren't you, to show that I'm, I'm not actually answering the question, because, right. no, because, well, because no, I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: i was trying to give context to your answer. So I'll, I was, that was,
4: I was thinking that's that a very, very subtle, just
0: yeah. Because <laughs> at the moment, oh, it just, just looks you're, like you're, a, a slightly uh,
1: badly weighted speed dating. Now. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, the, the, but, but, um, yeah, I mean. Uh, I don't say this as a hypocrite. I'm not single. I am married. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I just think it's wrong that, that Christians project a lot of guilt on on Christians for. Um, what's this?
1: That's very good.
0: That's... <laughs> I think that's it. We've got it. There we go.
2: That's it. Ignore everything else we said.
0: Yeah, we we just can't we can't be that. I mean, Dan was saying something very serious, but um, I think I think that one. <laughs> I think that's better advice <laughs> yeah we've got another one similar yeah contingency argument on the first date well <laughs> at least you'll know if they're a keeper or not I guess
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah Yeah, but try alpha try alpha that's what I would say try alpha yeah. <laughs> or try prayer whichever one you want yeah <laughs> no. find a christian hashtag hashtag and you'll find a christian
0: girl not far away <laughs> yeah
4: if you're English, go to America as well. It's a great one.
0: The accent helps.
4: Love love the English accent.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. I think that derailed that one. Um, right, L- last one, which we usually because I-, I need I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. Um I I'm actually working tomorrow, I don't know about you guys. Uh so last question which you ask every live stream. Top three books or um podcasts or anything that you you're listening to uh andy kind go uh
1: top three books uh that one by rebecca mclaughlin is still brilliant atheist who didn't exist by andy bannister is the closest thing we've got to a funny apologetics book uh and um i i really i do really like the inspiring philosophy guy um who he's very impressive but i also like philosophize this it's actually not a christian podcast but it is really good for giving a history of philosophy and and i find i listen to that a lot and i find that very helpful in terms of putting some of the stuff in context so it's philosophize this inspiring philosophy I've uh who cares <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen listen to this stream yeah go on yeah so yeah you guys
5: critical witness everyone check it out santi's channel is really good as well i know he's watching um adherent apologetics zach he does good interviews as well and i'm not just saying it because i'm friends with all three or uh, four of you but put them forward right. um book Great, not, like i said before i like the resurrection of the son of god NT riot um william lane craig on god's good for beginners in apologetics that's a brilliant book for that and yeah what uh jesus and the eyewitnesses richard balkan another great history have you finished it yet no no i'm still i'm really i'm I'm getting distracted with other books but i'm still really enjoying it but it's one of them i'm going to read quite a few times
0: i imagine it's quite it's quite technical at places so like there's a table of names skip 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 (laughs) (laughs) means you get through quite large chunks on your kindle fairly quickly Uh, (laughs) sorry dan i I used the bad word with kindle there um (laughs) <laughs> Go on, Dan. Top three books, podcast?
4: Uh, I can't think of top three, but I think of three good, good books that I think every Christian read. It probably says more about my interests, but uh, Re- Reinventing Jesus, uh, I think is such a great book. I think it's subtitled, it's Reinvented Jesus, How Contemporary Skeptics Miss the Real Jesus and Mislead Popular Culture. And that's by Ed uh, Kovaszewski and Daniel Wallace and James Sawyer. And I, I think it's an absolute must read. I think it's one of the best uh Christian books for so those who are interested in apologetics and, and evangelism. Um uh another one would be a book by Gil- Gilbert Mylender uh called Bioethics a primer for Christians and another one would be the case for uh the case for life by Scott Klissendorf. Uh and podcast uh Christian podcast Mere Fidelity is a is a great a great um a great podcast and uh non-christian one which i just love well it's not well um malcolm gladwell um revisionist history
0: good
2: yeah that's good
0: yeah craig what about you
2: um podcast i to be honest i've never really gotten into the whole podcast thing i'm afraid sorry to let you down and everything Uh, it's Um, it's all good and, and what i generally do i mean youtube channels i i generally watch you know you guys and Santi's good. And apart from that, I don't. Really, I just watch sermons and things on YouTube mostly. Um, Books-wise, I'd probably say, for a good just sort of overview general, get in the basic philosophical arguments in India Toolkit kind of apologetics book, I'd say um, Douglas Grothaus' book, Christian Apologetics is, is a whopping big thing, but it, it sort of gives you, like, a good outline of all the basic arguments. Mm. Um the Forgotten Trinity by James White, I really like as well. That's a good one about the Trinity. And the other one, I actually, because um, I'm, you know, the whole Jehovah's Witness thing, one book that kind of completely changed my view of it. Sorry, I won't go on for too long, but i It's I'm good. You can go. It. One book that completely changed my view of it. When I first sort of started to get into, like, talking to Jehovah's Witnesses and things, I heard about a book called The Crisis of Conscience. I don't know if you've heard of that or read it, or but it was written by a guy who used to be like a real sort of senior member of the Jehovah's Witnesses. He was in the headquarters in New York and everything. And I, I heard about this book, it's sort of being like a big whistleblowing thing. And I thought, I'll, I'll get that book because it'll be full of really good like arguments that I can use against Jehovah's Witnesses. And you know I can really sort of undercut them from a guy who's in the inside and a guy who knew what was going on. And what it turned out to be was it, it tells you a story and it tells you about how they, they basically destroyed him from the inside out because he'd invested his entire life and in, in working for the Watchtower. And they basically just dropped him, just, just knifed him. And it was the first book that I read that made me realize these guys are not like arguments to be won. These guys who come around and knock on your door on a Saturday morning. They're deceived and they're people. And they, and like mm. the way that they're treated by the Watchtower is, it, it's just, it's awful and it's heartbreaking. And it kind of, made me realize they like well it it made me more passionate about reaching them really you yeah. know and it really mm-hmm. eyes to how important it is that we sort of love them understand them rather than slam the door in their face so mm-hmm. yeah that would be my topic crisis of conscience by raymond friends i have to
0: look that one up that's that's quite interesting um mine i think where where i'm at at the moment is just getting a better grasp of what the bible actually is what the story actually is saying, and and half the apologetics um, issues that I in, encounter are more just um, cultural issues or misunderstandings um, with an old document and just not sure how to read it. So kind of my recommendations have shifted quite a lot. Um, if you're going to just kind of challenge people, instead of going into apologetics arguments, invite people to read the Bible um there's these great little one-to-one bible studies called the word one-to-one check i'd really recommend you check out the website um and they're small so that it's not like you're bringing the whole bible to your mate and saying let's read this thing and they get intimidated it's like uh, three chapters of john at, and you've got notes in there that are really just small pointers as to help you read through it with a friend and so stuff like that i just kind of challenge people See what God's Word does when you're interacting with people. Um Good Bible overview. I've read a couple recently. Um God's Big Picture by uh Vaughan Roberts, I think it is. I can't remember yeah. what it is. Um look up God's Big Picture, get an understanding of Genesis to Revelation. Um, Bible Project Podcast and videos are, are awesome. Um that's kind of kind of where I'm at in, in terms of listening recommend Mere Fidelity and this cultural moment's pretty big as well with uh, a guy named John Mark Comer and Mark Sayers from Australia talking about uh, where we're at in terms of Christian Evangelicalism, uh, particularly where how we got here and what, what cultural things we really need to look at and engage with. So that, those are my recommendations, slightly different, slightly less philosophical, but hopefully uh, I think I think they've helped my faith considerably, guys. It's been a epic two hours twenty five uh, this evening. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. good to see you all. Great, thank you. thanks Thanks all for the uh the comments the likes the shares the questions um i think top questioner goes to the programmer i'm going to assume most of those on the, the pigeonhole are from you um but also i think some good questions from from callum and finding truth with the the most popular question um so thanks everyone for getting involved sticking around and um if you've enjoyed it subscribe share um feel free to check out the patreon stuff um but otherwise, we'll be here because we enjoy it, and it's what we do.
4: We should do this again in the new year. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we
0: 300 will hundred subscribers. Three hundred. Yeah, we'll do it every hundred. <laughs> <laughs> every every hundred. Yes, yeah, so we
2: did yeah, it. Every hundred. I'm up for that. Yeah, you're point already aren't you something like that.
0: Uh, yeah. Two hundred and twenty, yeah. So we're not far. We'll yes. be <laughs> we're, we're here in a couple weeks. Yeah, You're getting yeah. all these fake YouTube accounts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to stop registering. Um, yeah. So the last, the last stream. Just so people, uh, we're here next Thursday at eight pm with Jay Smith. So and Sunday. Cool. Oh yeah, that's a good one, Dan. Without me. Because I'm busy is talking to someone who knows stuff about vaccines, um, and uh, what they are and what they aren't, and so that's going to be an interesting conversation on Sunday evening, um, as everywhere. well. So some bonus, bonus uh, stuff coming out on the the channel over the it next week. It might not be as uh, te-
4: technology technologically smooth. Uh, as your ones um but uh it will right. be interesting so we've got dr jocelyn downey who is a scientist who will be talking about vaccines so we'll be throwing all those all the tough questions you know is the pfizer vaccine the uh the uh mark of the the beast. beast yeah
0: you know everyone knows that it is
4: questions.
0: all that cool all right well i'll end the broadcast so check us out sunday evening next thursday evening 8 p.m and um, and then we're going to take a break over New Year's but we'll see you, see you around thanks everyone thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show if you like what you hear please do give us a subscribe on YouTube or follow us on any of the social media out there and us feedback get in touch let us know what you think if you really enjoyed the content and want to support it find us on patreon.com